For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Bruna Francesca's uh, murder makes the papers again this morning uh, because um, uh, media in Brazil have been talking to her extended family. They describe her this morning, the star this morning's headline says uh, that family members say she was her or warrior. And the family open up on the last chat they had with Bruna here in Cork hours before uh, her death. Uh, she spoke to her family in Brazil just hours before she died on New Year's Day and she said she was fine. Um, she was at a party uh, and everything was well and looking forward to 2023 and everything that it would bring. Um, and she made a video call to Brazil to wish her family uh, a happy new year just hours before she was allegedly murdered. Uh, now we know that the accused is uh, a man by the name of uh, Pacheco, uh, her ex-partner uh, Miller Pacheco, originally from Brazil as well. The online fundraiser uh, that was set up yesterday has just absolutely rocketed. They originally set a goal of €30,000 on GoFundMe. It was launched to return uh, Bruna Fonseca to her home country of Brazil uh, for burial. Um, and apparently they're also planning a memorial event in her honour in Cork this weekend. And if I have details and when I have details on that, I certainly will share it. But the GoFundMe this morning stood at 45000 570 euro. That was after an original GoFundMe goal of 30,000 euro. So it stands this morning at 45,570. And I'll give you the actual link or the details of, of the GoFundMe link for uh, the uh, Bruno Fonseca. Uh, go for me in a few minutes' time. Uh, to a story that dominated very much the last few days, and this is the direct provision uh, hotel accommodation in Killarney. And we spoke about this on air yesterday morning. Still a lot of texts on that and comments that I want to get to, but the number of men apparently involved in this violence, and some of it, of course, with knives and blades, uh, now stands at 20 men involved in the violent disorder. Um, it was a serious public order incident, even though Terms like public order incident don't do justice to what actually went on there. Um, but we're talking about Georgian and Algerian men. Now, um, the incident happened on Sunday uh, and many were arrested for this, uh, as I said, um, and a lot of them were, were in court yesterday. Now, uh, eight accused, four of them Algerian and four Georgian, were before Killarney District Court charged with violent disorder. Seven of them were granted bail. Now, one wasn't. In the case of uh, one individual, um, wasn't granted bail. And just a quick look at that. That would have been a fellow by the name of Fouad McKenzie, originally from Algeria, an address at the Hotel Killarney in Killarney. Um, he was before the court, but the state objected to bail for him uh, because he's charged with violent disorder and producing a knife, wielding the knife erratically in the course of the dispute and allegedly inflicting stab wounds to numerous males, each of whom required hospitalization. So he didn't get bail, but, but seven did on the understanding that they leave Killarney to reside at Garda-approved addresses in County Clare and also County Cork, in Clonakilty in Cork. And in the case of three Algerians uh, and others, others will go to Louth and Leash. So they have been granted bail um, on condition, and because this is bail ahead of a court appearance and a court date, this is far from over. Um, so there has to be a court case, obviously, uh, to determine innocence or guilt. So at this stage, leave Killarney and go to places like Garda-approved addresses in County Clare, 
Clonakilty, uh, Louth and Leash. So that's the latest update on that one. And now let us let the courts take their course. Um, the issue with regards to health, of course, is just going from bad to worse. You might have heard a staggering statistic there in the news at nine o'clock with Rory that we have less beds in the Irish hospital system now, thousands less beds in our hospital system now than we did in 1981. Now, 1981 is over 40 years ago. How in the name of God could we have less beds in our hospitals now than 40 years ago? But yet the population has absolutely rocketed. It makes absolutely no sense. But then again, nothing in health in Ireland has made sense for a long, long time. We must return to masks, according to health experts, and we must do it immediately. Now, if you think that this is anything exclusive to us, they're having the very same conversations in the UK over the past couple of days where they're saying that people really need, we need to start looking at uh, masks. And I know that in the UK they're talking about the possibility of re- reintroducing masks everywhere, including in the workplace. So with the record numbers languishing on trolleys because of viral infections, because of strep, because of COVID and because of a very, very, very um, troublesome um, flu virus that's going on at the moment, something's going to need to be done because the situation is going to likely to get worse before it gets better. Uh, And that's not me being quoted, that's Stephen Donnelly. So the crisis in our hospitals will kill people, according to an A&E consultant that makes the front of the sun today, a man by the name of Dr. Fergal Hickey. So the consultants who are dealing at the front line, they know, and doctors know, and nurses know, and paramedics know, and people within the health system know exactly how bad things are and how worse they're going to get. So we have 931 people without a bed. Um, and like many of the unions now involved in health are asking for uh, return of masks, not just for COVID anymore, but for all sorts of respiratory issues. So more on that in, in a few minutes time. But the chaos will lead to more unnecessary patients deaths, according to a lot of the newspapers today. Um, and, you know, I was talking about issues regarding uh, bed shortages. It's not just necessarily beds in hospitals that there's going to be a shortage of in 2023. There will be a serious refugee shortage as well. In fact, we we need 14,000 more refugee beds in the coming months if we're just to stay afloat because current accommodation is unsustainable. Um, we're going to need new reception centres that will have to be opened across the country according to the Irish Times this morning and I suppose added to that because we'll have more refugees coming into the country um, from various countries, including but not exclusively uh, Ukrainian, you also will find that some hotels will start taking their properties back from the state as we head into the back of the winter and into spring uh, for the tourism season. So that's going to cause all sorts of other issues and other problems accordingly. Uh, from our courts, and God knows there's quite an amount, uh, but just a few of interest. Um, and I know um, in the past I've told you how difficult it can be to be a, a taxi driver in Ireland or certainly on Lisa, because a lot of the time you have to make a call in the moment. You have to make a split decision as to whether you take a fare or not. I only mention that because of a Buttevant-based man accused of robbing two taxi drivers uh, at knife point. Now, these are allegations. Allegedly, uh, this individual uh, smoked a rock of cocaine. Now, he's been remanded in custody with consent to high court bail until the 16th of January. So the court will take its course there. But such an individual by the name of Jake Sheeran, who was before court district court, it was a video link from prison. He's charged with two counts of robbery. I mention it because both involved 
taxi drivers. Now, the first incident was in October when it's alleged that he got into a taxi on Parnell Place and asked the driver to take him to Kent Station for a train. It's alleged that, um, you know, when they, when they got there, he uh, allegedly... Um, got into the space between the two front seats. He's in the back seat, right? Got into the space between the two front seats with a knife and he held it to the driver's throat. So the driver then feels a sharp object on his neck uh, and he's told, move and I'll cut your throat. Um, So the driver was in complete fear. He handed over something like 80 euro in cash. It's then further alleged that two hours later, it's alleged that um, the same individual got into a taxi on Patrick Street, got into the front seat and asked to be taken to the casino on McCurtain Street. Now, the fare was 560. When the driver asked uh, for the fare, it's alleged that uh, your man pulled out a knife and said to him, empty your pockets. The driver handed over coins. Uh, it's alleged your man said, better give me more money or I'll cut you good. So the driver then went and took 20 coins from the boot of the car and gave it to him. Um, so that will be before the courts again. And if you remember the 93-year-old woman, and I cover this a lot back end of last year. She was collecting her pension at the local post office in St. Luke's. Well, there's a young man accused of robbing that 93-year-old remanded in custody until January 17th. So very good coppering, very good Garda Shikana investigations going on at the moment in many of these cases. So that will be before the court again. And then there was a 41-year-old who was caught shoplifting for the 50th time. Don't you think the guards have better to be things to be doing than messing around with these kind of individuals. So he was 50 times caught shoplifting and he was jailed for 10 months. Owen and Kelleher just had enough sent him to jail. That's a story that makes the papers. They're robbing things like perfume from Brown Thomas and bottles of vodka from, from Tesco and what have you. Um, and then, interestingly, I see Cork County Council veterinary officers are asking um, for um, a compulsory law that dog owners must have insurance cover in the event that their pets attack humans or livestock. I don't think anybody could necessarily agree with that. I mean, who picks up the hospital bills, the pharmacy bills, the medication, the plastic surgery, the recovery fees for somebody who's been attacked attacked by another person's dog? So that's an interesting one. Love your thoughts on that. Because apparently there were 363 dog owners prosecuted. You could say only... Well, that's the figure anyway, over 363 of them in the last five years. So it seems quite low for not keeping their dogs under control. And these are new figures that have been released by Fianna Fáil's backbencher, Padraig O'Sullivan. And he's also saying that the people who own dangerous dogs need to face much tougher penalties if they can't control the dogs. So tougher penalties and compulsory insurance cover. What do you think of that? Text 0868104106. Boris Becker's back on television, recently out of jail and deported from the UK to Germany. If you're following tennis, and of course we'll be heading to the tennis, it's going to start it now in Australia, and you'll have the Grand Slam in about a week's time, maybe 10 days' time. So he's going to be commentating for uh, the German language Eurosport channel uh, not the BBC and I don't know whether he'll get his BBC job back in the summer with regards to Wimbledon or not uh, but he's back working again and back commenting on uh, tennis and I love this one because apparently if you're doing a driving test one of the best places if not the best place in the country to pass your driving test is Ballancolig. it's got a 75.5% pass rate um, we do very well we don't even make the top or the bottom five of the list they're primarily up in Dublin 
but we certainly do very well in the top test centre and that's Ballincollig. So I mentioned that, but one of the reasons why apparently people are failing their driving tests is because of nerves. Do we really need to be told that the top reason for failing your driving test is nerves? Of course it is. If you're not nervous doing your driving test, there's something seriously wrong. And at any other time, given any other circumstances, you'd probably drive fine. But with a test or next year, of course, the nerves uh, kick in. And the papers also this morning talk um, of the latest gadget that's out there. Although it's a fairly hefty price gadget, it's a self-driving smart pram, if you might fancy it. Yes, yeah, you heard me right. I don't know if it has sat-nav in it or Bluetooth or how the heck it works, but it's a self-driving pram. It's got a hefty price. It comes in at £2,700. So knowing Ireland, that's probably going to be close to maybe four or €5,000 by the time it goes on the market. But guaranteed, somebody out there is going to buy it and it's going to take off and self-driving prams will be the must-have item at some stage in 2023. It also will um, lull babies to sleep by all accounts and stop mothers and fathers walking into lampposts. (laughs) Oh my God, I love it. A self-driving pram. And there's also a guide to, I'll come back to this later on, to making plans for 2023. Plans that you can actually stick to. I mean... If you want my advice on it, I'd make absolutely no plans whatsoever. And I would rule nothing out. I would stop promising yourself that you're going to stop doing things. You're going to give up fags. That you're going to eat healthy. And that you're going to stop drinking. Um, Because most of the time people fail so more of that a little later on but the papers always at this time of the year are just brilliant at telling us that we need to one of the things I do like is stop saying quit and start saying avoid and cut down stop saying quit they also say stop manifesting Mother of God, if everybody stopped manifesting, right, all of those bookshelves inside in the bookshops, right, would be absolutely empty of all of these books who say, give it up to the universe, wish for it, manifest it, and it will happen. So that and lots more besides between now and midday. The Neil Prenderville Show on Quartz Red FM. Two-time gold winner at the Emerald Radio Awards 2022. We certainly have to look at health issues nationally and also, more importantly, here in Cork because it just seems to go from bad to worse. And, of course, Stephen Donnelly back in the news very much saying that it's going to get worse before it gets better. I gave you some stats and numbers there a few minutes ago, but I'm keen to talk to Dr. Dermot Quinlan, who's the medical director of the Irish College of General Practitioners and a GP himself in Glanmire, and he joins me um, regularly on the air. He's the man who'll tell us how things are uh, and where we need to be and where we're at going forward. Dermot, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Um, they're talking about this, this, this kind of like perfect storm, Doc, right? Because we have the flu, we've got COVID, we've got all these respiratory infections, we've got the fear of strep. Was all of this anticipated? Where are we at with all of this right now? Um, I, I suppose there are a lot of strands to this, Neil. Like the population of Ireland has exceeded 5 million for the first time since the famine, which is fantastic. You know, um, back in 2015, we extended the medic, free medical cards to all children under six years of age. And that increased the consultation rate of this group of children by 30%, which, which we, uh, you know, we knew would happen. Uh, and at the time, we predicted that, that this extra workload could destabilize general practice with a knock-on effect throughout the entire health service. And I think while it didn't happen back in 2015, 2016, I think the impact of COVID 
um, and the proposed increase of medical cards to children aged six to nine, which will uh, further increase the workload of general practice. And then taken with the influenza, the spiritual insidious virus group based threat, we now indeed have a perfect storm. And when we add to that that one in seven of all GPs are 65 years of age and over, so I anticipate that by this time, three years' time, by January of 2026, we'll have had another 500, 600 GPs retire. Um, and not um, replaced, no? Not replaced. Okay, no. okay. So the HSE are so, urging people, say, for instance, to consider all other options before going to the A&E. That's not always possible if you haven't got a doctor or you can't get a doctor's appointment or you've got a long, long wait for South Dock, right? I suppose the, the first thing is, is self-care and, you know, people are, are very good at doing that. And then the HSC have a really good website under the weather.ie, which is really good, a lot of very good information. Then our local community pharmacists are often a really good resource for patients. And then there is GP and GP out of hours. And uh, just looking at the data from South Dock, like we saw South Dock over the Christmas period, the 23rd to 28th of December, 6,980 patients were seen. So that's almost 7,000 patients. 60% of these were seen within two hours and 90% had their care episode concluded within five hours. So they were seen and discharged within five hours and only 7% were referred to the emergency department. And these were people, say, with severe chest pain, possible yeah. heart attack, stroke, breathing problems. Uh, maybe, well, what was the wait time, you know, though? Sick babies. The wait time, well, most of them were seen within five hours. Okay. 90% of these patients were yeah. seen within five hours. So I know myself how difficult it was to get through because the lines were really busy and our team in South Dock and Killarney and elsewhere across Cork and Kerry were working really hard over the Christmas period. But there's been a huge upsurge in, in, in respiratory illness uh, of all the various types. And uh, South Dock were working really hard. Um, and, you know, we saw the numbers of patients seen are substantially increased o- over every year since 2019 onwards. You know, So the numbers are going up. Um, and it's the same GPs and the team that are seeing patients you know, in South Dock as are now working in their clinics this morning. Um, so, you know, I know patients have had difficulty getting through and the lines have been exceptionally busy. But once people get through, 90% are seen and discharged within five hours. What? And, you know, what, are the, yeah. what are the illnesses, right, and the viruses that are out there right now that are so prevalent and causing all of this sickness? I thought the big ones really are COVID, uh, respiratory syncytial virus, influenza. Uh, they're the three big ones that would count for the numbers. And when you and say viruses, there. respiratory virus, what are they? Um, they're the, your common or garden flu, essentially, or COVID. And, you know, they cause the symptoms like fever, hot and cold, sweats, aches and pains, no appetite, no energy, you know, feeling like death warmed up, only fit for bed. Um, They're the severe viral infections. And then we have a whole raft of minor, like nasty head colds that people get, which we, you know, really know, sore throat, just feeling miserable for a few days, but less severe than when they get, uh, say, influenza, uh, because influenza will put you in bed. You know, if you're not in bed, sweating and shivering and feeling like death warmed up and no appetite and energy, it's probably one of the lesser viral illnesses. Okay, so all of Um, those ones, like those flus, those respiratory ones you described, the head colds, the coughing, the chestiness, do they require doctor's visits or South Dock visits or is it the pharmacies, the protocol for all of those? I think many patients look after them entirely themselves. That, that, that's really important to acknowledge. Lots of people, when they get these symptoms, they realise they know exactly what they have and they look after it themselves. The under the website provides a lot of support for people uh, who need a little bit more advice. Uh, our local community pharmacists are a really good source of uh, advice. And then 
patients, like I, I know lots of parents say with, with, with small children, you know, it's, it's, it's a very nervous place to, to have a small child that you're worried about that they're sick and if parents are worried about their children or worried about other people, we would encourage them to make an appointment to see their GP. And I do appreciate that that is difficult at the moment, that general practice is under very substantial pressure. And uh, So when they can't the then, Dr. Dermot, is that when parents, and it could be a fear of strep, for instance, where they are going to the A&D or the ED department? Sorry, I didn't catch that question. No, I'm saying, you know, when you're talking about small children and babies who you, they can't communicate with you and parents would be very yeah. worried and alarmed. It could be strep or stuff like that, that they go to the A&D then, is it? No, I, th- I think G- G- patients in general are, are, should go to their GP in preference to going to ED, except where they think there's a serious emergency. Um, because GPs, like we are highly trained to recognize and manage uh, illness, uh, including moderate to severe illness in small children and babies. And they're, they're a particularly difficult group. And, you know, I, my heart goes out to parents with sick children because it is, it's a, it's a nerve wracking place to be for parents. And so the trolley crisis that's dominating, and, and I mean, I've got, we can, we can look at Trolley Watch every single day, whether it's the Cork ones or indeed the, the national figures. I see Trolley Watch for Cork is showing uh, the CUH uh, at 74, the Mercy at 31. Another example is, is um, say, for instance, Bantry at 12. But when you add it all up, um, you're looking at uh, something in the, in the region of, um, what was the figure I gave there? Nine, um, what was it again? I don't have it in front of me now. Uh, but I think, it's, oh yeah, 931 um, on trolleys. Um, is, is that destined to get even worse? I, I think like the, the number of respiratory illnesses are definitely going to get worse. and the, the absolute number is going to get worse in the coming weeks. There's no question about it. You know, we all did a lot of socialising over Christmas when people returned to school and work in January. Uh, the social mingling is going to increase and that is going to drive the respiratory illness numbers for the coming weeks at least. Um, against the backdrop, and I, I, I take the numbers there, it's a thousand, almost a thousand on trolleys is very high. Uh, but when we look at the number of patients seen in South Dock in 2020, last year, 2022, we saw almost a quarter of a million people in South Dock. And nationally, we saw 20 GPs and GP nurses saw 29 million patients. And of that, our GP nurses, who are the unsung heroes, they conducted 8 million consultations in 2022, getting baby vaccines. General practice gave over 3.5 million COVID vaccines across 2022. So that has played a huge role in relieving the strain. Oh, undoubtedly it did, yeah. It would be a, I appreciated that it would be a hell of a lot worse. Don't get me wrong in, in that regard. But ha- having said that, though, even, even Stephen Donnelly says it's going to get worse before it gets better. What, what does he mean by that? Like the INMO, for instance, are asking, um, and, and other unions within health, are asking for a return to mask wearing. Um, I, I think, like the, and, and I can understand where they're coming from. And certainly, in in our practice, in our GP practice, we ask patients to wear masks when they enter. And in healthcare facilities, I think there's a lot of benefit to people wearing masks. I'm not sure there's a public appetite to go back to wearing masks. And I suppose you know that that's uh, that's. You know, that, and I know that from talking to my own cohort and and my own children and their their peers that the appetite for going back to to a widespread mask wearing isn't there. And we also have like we have among the most highly vaccinated population in in Europe against COVID. So I think we have to recognise the huge effort that our 
public had put in terms of taking the vaccines and, uh, you know, continuing to keep our social fabric of the country running. It may not, may not be an appetite, but would it become a necessity where it would be legislated for like it was before in public settings? I, I, I don't see that happening anytime soon. Yeah, yeah. And what, what, what is the COVID strain at the moment? And what are those numbers like? The numbers, and I'm not sure what the strain is, uh, Neil, uh, but the, num- the numbers we know are rising continuously and are likely to continue to rise for the coming weeks. Um, and I suppose when we look at the impact of that, like I know places in your area, like uh, Skibbereen, Carstadine, uh, where there's massive GP shortages, and my colleagues in Formoy and y'all have been on recently that I'm talking about Skibbereen and Carstadine all the time, but actually there's a major crisis in GP numbers across y'all, Formoy, and lots of rural towns like the North Cork towns, Cantork, Boherbui, Mill Street, um, Newmarket, a major, like they were, in those four North Cork towns, there was 18 GPs there less than five years ago. They're now down to 12 GPs, and they're likely to be down to nine GPs by the end of next year. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, that's going to have an enormous impact on on our ability to deliver healthcare. And, you know, we also need to very substantially increase our number of GP nurses, like they, they as I said, are the unsung heroes. When I look at our practice, like we have eight GPs and we have just over one whole-time equivalent nurse. If we were in the UK, we would have between five and ten nurses. And like that and all of, I think, our health service at the moment, imagine if you're, you're the, the mothers with young babies, like they'd all know what I'm talking about. When they go to get their childhood vaccine, it's our nurses do it, and they do it really well. When well, why, do, why don't doctor surgeries employ more nurses then? And that's, that's what we want to do, Neil. And we are working hard with the HSE. We need to double the number of GP nurses. Um, so we are working with the GP education, nurse education bodies to de- develop and deliver a, a curriculum to train and uh, retain and recruit more nurses. And we are working with the HSE to develop that as well. So we, we need to double the number of GP nurses because that and all of the services, uh, you know, our health services at the moment, my like the, the nightmare scenario is if, if 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 you turn up with your baby to get the baby vaccines and there is nobody to give the vaccines like that's you know uh, and that's why we need to very substantially expand our number of GP nurses yeah you're aware of that statistic that we have less hospital beds now thousands less than we had in 1981 42 years ago and I suppose against that, and I absolutely accept that, I'm delighted to report, and we, we are very supportive that the HSE have actually doubled the number of hospital consultants in the last 15 years, while the number of GPs has remained static and the whole time equivalents have fallen. So, you know, we and the government recognise and the Department of Health recognise that we need to increase the number of GPs probably by 50%. So oh, I, well, I, 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 I know 4, that. No, I understand we that. From, we, need to go from, we need to go from 4,000 GPs, Neil, to 6,000 GPs. But the, GP, so the, the amount of GPs in, won't have any impact on the 18,000 people who were left without a bed last year. If there are less beds now than 1981, how, how, who's asleep at the wheel to allow that happen? I suppose we are looking after much more complex patients in the community now. When I qualified, most diabetes care was delivered by hospital consultants in hospital. Our GP nurses and GPs now deliver the vast majority of care for people with type 2 diabetes, for people with heart failure, for people with COPD, for people with asthma. So we are delivering far more care in the community. And 
while you know I recognise and accept that we need more hospital beds, the more pressing crisis is in the GP workforce because if we do not have the GPs and the GP nurses to look after people in the community, our hospital sector will not be able to cope with the with the surge in work that an insufficient GP workforce will will result. In. Okay, I, I saw that being described recently as uh, utterly gridlocked GP offices, utterly gridlocked. Um, just to, just finally, um, is there any advice that can be given to people of all ages, you know, families with children, the immunocompromised, the elderly? Is, is, is there ways to avoid viral infections? Are there ways to avoid the, avoid the flu? Or is it just, is it like a lottery? If you're out there, you just might get a bad dose of it. I think the, the message really, like that, there are lots that people can do. I think getting 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 the flu vaccine, getting the COVID vaccines uh, for people who are in the eligible age groups, and that includes children and more recently, you know, adults for flu and COVID vaccines. It's it, it's still there's still plenty of time and there's still plenty of benefit in getting it, even at this stage in the season. And then while it's not mandatory to wear masks in public, certainly I think if people are travelling in crowded areas or travelling on crowded public transport. And particularly for the immunocompromised and vulnerable patients, then wearing a mask in those certain situations is something I would strongly recommend. Yeah. Okay. So you would recommend mask wearing, although you say the public mightn't have an appetite for it to be mandatory. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I would strongly recommend it in in those in those crowded public areas, um, and particularly for people who are vulnerable. Okay. And we don't know who they are because they look like you and I. Yeah. You know, you can't tell. When you see somebody wearing a mask, you don't know if they're vulnerable or maybe they're caring for a vulnerable person. Oh, I understand. It's listen. Nobody should be criticizing anybody if they wish to wear or not wear a mask, or certainly if they wish to wear a mask. But isn't it true though? Because I got the flu vaccine the back end of last year, but I still got hammered over Christmas. It doesn't stop you getting the flu. The the flu vaccine is very effective at preventing severe, severe influenza and the yeah, complications, yeah, severe influenza. Yeah. So you can still get, you can, and there's, there's at least 10 strains of mild flu, so you can still get the milder strain. Yeah. Um, and no vaccine is 100%. We all know that. So they're about 70% effective in preventing severe influenza. And uh, But no, nothing in life is 100%. You know, we know that seatbelts don't necessarily stop you getting killed in a severe road traffic accident. Yeah. The, the, the vaccines are really good at preventing the uh, people getting seriously ill and getting hospitalised, but they're not 100%. Okay. Listen, I'll let you get back to it. Thank you so much for taking the call this morning, as always, Dermot. Much obliged to you. Thank you so much. Dr. Dermot Quinlan, Medical Director for the Irish College of General Practitioners and uh, Glanmar GP. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. To the phone lines we go, Noel, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? Uh, your, your thoughts on, on all of this. Um, you, you Just pick up on the figure, for instance, of less hospital beds now than we had in 1981. Were you aware of that? Uh, well, I'll tell you, no, Neil, what I'm aware of now is that we have we had five or six hospitals in Cork with AMEs in them. Now, since Fianna Fáil took over, they closed all the AMEs and kept two of them open, which is the so which was the, the Mercy, Mercy and the CUH and the regional. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now we had a, we had an AME in the South Infirmary, St. Finbars, Victoria. I can't remember Victoria. We had the Bonds, North Infirmary. Now there was I don't I don't hear people saying. There's shortage of beds in the South Infirmary or the the bands or any of these hospitals is only just the ones with the A and E. So why why can we not reopen all the A and E's in the hospitals in Cork? 
I, I have no and answer to that. I have no answer to that. I mean, I, that's, that's I, the reason I, why we have people going out to the A&E. They can't go to a doctor because if you ring a doctor, the, the reception will ask you, what's wrong with you? No, she's not qualified to take your to, to give you a cure for what your problem is. You just need to see a doctor, but the doctors now are using the uh, the COVID as an excuse to keep people out of their waiting room. But he gave, he gave statistics there of a huge amount, like over 7,000 people seeing, seen in South Dock. Um, you know, at, 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 and of that 7,000, only 7% were sent to the A&D. They managed to see the vast majority of people, apparently, in South Dock and Cork without ever having to send them to the A&D. Did you ever try and get into South Dock, Neil? I can tell you I did. And, 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 but he's saying that he said that South Dock were, were, were seeing 90% of people within five hours. That's right, Neil. You are, you, there was never waiting problems in Cork City before. I never had a waiting problem in Cork City before when we had our hospitals going. Now, you don't ever hear of They don't talk about South Infirmary. There's no shortage of beds in South Infirmary or in these hospitals. It's because... We have two hospitals that are overcrowded. Doctors haven't seen their patients in, in the waiting room. You can't go down to... I know. Before you could, before you could go to a doctor's surgery and wait to see a doctor. Now you have to ring your receptionist for the receptionist to ring the doctor, ring, for the doctor to ring you back. That's a joke. He, he, oh, so it's all very well to be quoting statistics, but in reality, yes, all it, too often. Only, reality is the problem. Yeah. Yeah. They're, not, they're not with us at all. Like, Fianna Fáil fecked up this country by closing down the health boards in this country. We had five health boards. We had the Southern Health Board, Eastern Health Board, Western Health yes, Board, Midlands and yeah. Dublin. Yeah. 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 And all these people, and all these companies had one CEO. Now we have, we're top-heavy, completely top-heavy with, with, uh, with that kind of stuff. We have no doctors or nurses. And you remember, like, you go up to, up to the Stone Infirmary. Back in the 70s and the 80s. Or the North Infirmary, for that matter. Any of them. And you had male medical, female medical, male surgical, female surgical, children's ward, and um, intensive care unit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we have nothing. We're going, they're all going up to the Region Hospital and the Mercy Hospital. And it's just causing gridlock and the bottleneck. That's what's happening. And we have a big, we have a big influx of people into this country now. And it's too small. Open up the innies. Nice one, Noel. Thanks for that. Text 0868104106. Your thoughts are welcome. Back after the break. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. Small bit of housekeeping. We're into January now. And you know the budget from last year for 2023. You're going to see a lot of other things impacting across the month of January. And I have to say, well, they're small, mediocre, tiny little increases. They're increases nonetheless for an awful lot of people. Like, for instance, this is going to be uh, the year, indeed, that the minimum wage, wage will go up by 80 cents to 11.30 per hour. It, you'll also see two further energy credits uh, this year. You're going to see one this month and the next one then in March. And that'll be the third one then. So we'll have three in total now as to whether they do any more. I don't know. But this month you'll see another 200 credit and March you'll see yet another one. And then there'll be lots of different weekly payment increases. Like all social welfare recipients will get a 12 euro per week increase this January. And then there'll be more. Child benefit will go up. Fuel allowance will go up. Working pay- family family payments will go up. 
disability and illness payments will go up and domiciliary care allowances will go up and all of that was accounted for in the budget and that will happen in January. So that's at least something. Now they're all small amounts I know, uh, but certainly with regards to the uh, second and the third energy payments, the 200 now and the 200 in March, that'll help somewhat. But isn't it, it's extraordinary the way the weather is all over the place, isn't it? 12 degrees this morning, but yet on Monday morning, it was frosty and freezing with the cold. Um, So it's really weird the way uh, temperatures and climate is bouncing all over the place. I don't know if anybody goes skiing. I tried it once or twice. I didn't like it, but a lot of people go like going on ski holidays. But apparently the slopes are just absolutely devastated. Um, They're like green fields in rain where there normally would be snow. Uh, And apparently European ski destinations are taking an awful hammering on top of everything else. Thank you to everybody who's been coming back over the past week or so, Um, particularly those that were lucky enough to win hampers overseas uh, from paddybox.com. And I'm delighted that everybody received them and got lots of photographs back from people all over the world talking into the uh, paddybox.com hampers. So thank you for that. And also we gave away a whole raft of turkey and hams and vouchers and what have you. And lots of people coming back saying thank you to the turkeys and hams that we gave away, say for instance from Jim Crowley, the craft butchers down in Middleton. And others were coming back saying thank you for the vouchers from McCarthy's Meat Market at Hawks Road in Bishopstown. So all of that was great and you know happy to be able to you know, help out people over the Christmas and give them a little bit of a gift here and there. And many people coming back saying thanks, which is lovely. But back to the phone lines we go. You can pick up the phone on 0818 104 106. We'll pick up on some calls from yesterday as well. But let's just stay where we find ourselves at right now. Frick, good morning. Hi, Neil. How's it going? Back? Okay. It just seems that every single winter, January after January after January, we have the same stories, but they just seem to be getting gradually worse and worse. Yeah. And you know something? It doesn't seem to be even a huge big worry or issue about COVID right now. It seems to be respiratory infections, people getting hammered with viruses and getting hammered with a bad flu. But yet the system can't cope. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, my thoughts is simple, easy, like get rid of the hair to see. They're the problem, not anyone else. And do you know what? what I, mean? they can, I just thought, well, I'm not. Government needs, that's up to them, but they're making a hash of it as well. You've done the coming out this one, it's going to get worse. Jesus, he's a great help for the new you'd year. You'd think you'd be mortified same th- something like that, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, exactly. It's going to get worse. We, you didn't need a genius to tell us that, which he isn't. No, I need, I put him washing before I taught you that in the council when I was on the council. Right, and now about the HSC wouldn't fit for poppers. And I got the back in the most inside the council, in the chamber. Yeah. I got the back in most of the councils. Nearly all of them. Disbanded and do what? Go back to the regionals that we had before, is it? Yeah, I think Neil was working better, obviously. She was after happening just too much at the top, no need, not at the bottom. Yeah, but hold on a second now. Our population has what? exploded from the old days. On top of that, they, our hospital system now is treating an awful lot more illnesses, diseases, chronic situations than it ever did before. You know? So that, me, but like they, they, people they, are also they living longer. Yeah, but they couldn't handle it years ago, so why are they still there? You know what I mean? When, when this thing took off. I mean, I, I still think... Just starting to frighten people again, in my opinion. But I decided the infection's grand. We are the flu, and that. 
Do you, you think, I mean? do, do you think oh. there'd be an appetite? Because the front page of the mail this morning is talking about unions and medics saying that we need to have mandatory mask wearing again. How do you think the Indeed. population would, well, how would they respond to that? Me, I know I wouldn't respond to it because I don't like, they thought this first day I need, we have to wear masks and then they come out after, or well, they won't protect you that way. So, I mean, what, you can't believe the hit, you see. I see, a text, I see a text there this morning and I've got, I got ones like it yesterday saying, and I'm not saying this, but people are saying wearing masks over the past two and two and a half years actually broke down your protection and your immunity from different winter viruses and bugs. It made you weaker wearing them. You know, each did all I need, but like, don't come across the one say like, oh, the mandatory. When you see there's people on the bus and wear them. That's their time, as you said. I don't wear a mask, and I won't wear a mask if possible. Because, yeah. like, I still think they're frightening the life out of us. Neil, as I have, why don't you do an opinion, Paul? And on, see, on the HSE. Ah, uh, sure, I suppose if you, put up a, if you put up a poll as to whether the HSE should be disbanded or not, sure, the vast majority of people would probably say yes. Like, I mean, if we're more likely that we should get new, bigger, multi-purposed hospitals built, shouldn't it? Yeah, but need if you get multi-purposed hospitals, if that thing is still in, involved, it'd be the same thing all over again because they, all right. they couldn't organise a place up in the brewery. Now. All right, all right, Frick, appreciate it. As always, happy right, New Year to you, pal. Stay in touch, right? Too, you too. Up, Can I go down west if you don't mind? Because I was talking this morning and we spoke at length yesterday about the issues down in the Killarney Hotel, right? Which had um, some seriously violent incidents there over the weekend involving knives. Now, you had 20 men involved in the violent disorder, right? And to call it that, of course, is an Statement: Some of them had to go to hospital, of course, for injuries and ill, you know, all sorts of, uh, you know, stab wounds and what have you. But eight of them were before the courts. Now, seven of them got bailed. One of them didn't. Right? He's been held in custody. But the other seven did. Now, we're talking about Algerians and Georgians, and they now have been granted bail. They'll be over the courts again. But they were granted bail on the basis that they will leave Killarney, leave the hotel in Killarney, and go to other Garda-approved addresses in places like. Uh, County Leash, County Louth, County Clare, and what's important to us, Clonakilty. Uh, Michael Collins, TD, joins me before. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Now, down west along, when they say, when they say Garda approved addresses, what does that mean? Well, I presume that uh, that is uh, asylum centres center in, in each uh, county that they've named out there. But uh, the one that's of major concern, I, I presume in other counties there'd be massive concern as well, but the major concern to us is the tranquility. I've had quite a lot of people, Neil, uh, contact me uh, that they'd find this an extraordinary, extraordinary decision that people uh, that have been involved in high criminality over the weekend have been now, it's like kicking the can down the road. Uh, we'll, we'll kick you out of Killarney Hotel, but head down to West Cork and start out your problems there. Uh, below in Clonakilty. And where would it um, be in Clonakilty? What kind of uh, asylum or refugee centres are there down west? Are we talking about good, hotels? Fairness, no, in that hotel there's a good uh, refugee centre down here in West Cork. And in fairness, you know, I, and I met people from the refugee centre, both people that work there and, and people that are residing there. And, you know, they're they're living in the locality and, and, and you know, in fairness, getting on fine in the locality. But people would would know what we can see uh, was happening in Killarney with an astonishing situation there over the weekend and previous to that, Neil. Because 
um, I'm, I'm talking to people from uh, Kerry in recent times that tell me that there's been serious criminality going on there for quite some time. People can walk the, the areas, walk the streets with the worry and the fear of being intimidated. And that's been going on there continuously. And surely be to God... What kind of intimidation are they telling you? Well, people have been provoked. I, I was listening actually to, to Kerry Radio one morning where I heard uh, people coming on the radio saying that when they were walking, walking to work like they've ever done, and never had a problem in streets along the areas where this hotel is and that and other hotels are. They're now being chased and being screamed at and roared at and, and, and people being threatened. Um, and I'm not saying that this is going to happen in Clankey, but I certainly have serious concerns. But do you have evidence that of that happening, say, for instance, in West Cork? Because I don't necessarily have any I, evidence of that happening in the city or North Cork, for instance. Not that I am aware of at this present time, Neil, except that right now. We look. It looks to me as if these uh, criminals that carried out. Well, these, these are allegations now before the court, as you well know. These are alleged offences until proven in court of law. So let's just bear that in mind. W- would it be the case then that the Algerians and the Georgians would be separated, and you wouldn't have Algerians and Georgians together, where it could kick off again in Clonakilty? Well, surely be to God, Neil, that in, in, when you come to this country uh, seeking asylum, that the least you do is try and keep the peace and, keep, and not break the law or attempt to break the law in, in this country, irregardless of who is who. They're, they're seeking asylum and they're saying that they're, they've had terrible times in their own country. And I can't here uh, deny any of that if that is the case. But surely be to God, they adhere to the laws and the rules of this country. And if they don't, I'm sorry, Neil, it's straight. You deport the people that cause the problem. Yes. And stop yes. playing around with them, kicking the can down the road. Oh, we'll kick them out of Canada. We'll kick them down to his car. We'll kick them up the country here and there and the other. And these people are still, the Minister Garman here has to intervene in these issues and be very strong. You come to this country for asylum, you, you respect the laws of this country, and if you don't, you face deportation. Do you believe away. then in these cases of these eight accused that they should never have been given bail, that they should have been held in custody pending trial? 100%. And find if there's, a, if there's an, an innocent party there, fair enough, but if there isn't, these people should not, in, under no circumstances, end up blowing tranquility or anywhere, or any country in this country, until the tr- until their case is over, this is highly dangerous. What the the, the government and the, and the state are playing with, and the, and the law of the land are playing with by kicking, as I say, the can down the road. It's now the problem has moved to other areas, and we just keep our fingers crossed that there won't be any issues. But we can't guarantee that some of these people are. What what it may, stated in the court was quite clear yesterday that the, some of these uh, criminals are, that are, are, are suspects um, have gone to uh, France and other countries and documentation is in France about their past but there's no documentation whatsoever in Ireland about their past or their previous history mm. and that's a very very serious matter so we're allowing the gates and the doors of this country be wide open to people that we're not sure of their past and surely be to God if I go into another man's country or another woman's country that that's the very least they know before I go in of my previous history and am I safe to be in that country or not and in this situation we have found out that that's not the case in Ireland. and the people of Killarney don't want them there anymore they made it very very clear they, it, it, it had to lead to a serious outbreak of criminality over the weekend and now unfortunately many of these are being shipped around to places like Clannacility in West Cork which they, I can guarantee you they are not welcome because there is a serious concern that this will break out that kind of criminality break out in places like West Cork they can no one guarantee it won't obviously someone will say to me they can no one guarantee they will mm. but I certainly would have very very serious concerns and I think what Minister Garman is playing he's playing there with fire okay. And, okay. And, and, and you can't shift people that are suspects in very very serious crime into another town from one on community to another 
just hope that everything goes well. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Appreciate you taking the call, Michael. Uh, disquiet, to say the least, down west in Clonakilty. Your thoughts are welcome on that. Text 0868104106. We're back after 10. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national, and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Right. Red FM. Back to the phone lines in a few minutes' time, lads, and I hope that um, the likes of Paul and, uh, and Nina can hold on just for a couple of minutes because we are counting down as well to Friday, which will be Women's Little Christmas, or in Cork as we call it, Little Women's Christmas, Nudignamon. And we've teamed up with the Metropole Hotel. I love the Metropole, and they've pumped so much money into the Metropole in, in recent years. It just is absolutely beautiful. It's just such a gorgeous, gorgeous hotel and has been with us for so many years now. And they're putting on a little women's or women's little Christmas event this Friday at the Metropole. And the prize we have for is a table of four for women's little Christmas at the Metropole this coming Friday. So what will it involve? 6.30 p.m. Thou shalt arrive, all four of you, to a Prosecco reception with live music from the pianist um, in reception. Uh, 7.15, dinner bell. You'll get a four-course banquet in the ballroom and then dance the night away with their live ABBA tribute band, uh, Super Troopers, and then a DJ till late until two o'clock in the morning. Now, there'll be lots of party games, novelties, spot prizes and everything right across the evening. And we have a table to give away over the next few days for that event. You can book it directly yourself if you want to go out with a bunch of uh, friends for Women's Little Christmas. The Metropole are doing the business this year and you can book with the hotel. So I'll tell you more about that throughout the course of the rest of the morning and indeed tomorrow if you'd like to win that for yourself and your pals. But just a quick look back at, uh, say for instance, 2022 as we have been statistically. I love when the CSO release uh, statistics and information, particularly for the year just gone by and they tell us that the most common surname for babies born in 2021 was the surname Murphy. More babies born to Murphy than anybody else. They also drill into the different names actually that babies were given across 2022. So when it came to naming our children, we picked a wider variety of names for girls than ever before. Like 4,741 names were registered in 2021. Isn't that a lot of different names when you think of it? 4,741 of them. But when you break it down, Fia topped the most popular girl's name um, for the year, Fia. Um, And Grace was ousted as the most popular, came in second. Jack is the most popular remaining name for boys. Jack, the most popular of all. And if you look at then weddings and brides and grooms, and they were looking at, say, 2021, the brides and grooms for 2021, they have that evidence in for that year. Apparently, um, our brides and grooms are getting married older. Like, the average age of a bride was 35 35 years old, and the average age for a groom was 37. This would be an opposite sex marriages, right? So I don't have the statistic for others. But I mean, that strikes me as very interesting because years ago, I mean, people got married much, much younger. Um, I'm trying to work out, but my, my, sorry, as an example, I was having 57 
Um, my, my mother would have been in her early 20s when she got married and my father as well in her early 20s. But nowadays, of course, many, many years later, it's likely to be mid-30s. So I think that's kind of interesting statistically. They break it down in all sorts of different ways, uh, uh, the CSO, and they release a lot of information. I mean, we spoke earlier on about the, the pressure on our health system. And just bear that in mind when you look at the population of Ireland because... Because of the last census, we now know that 5.1 million people uh, live in the Republic of Ireland. That's our population of 5.1 million. And that's up um, nearly 8% from the census in 2016. So it's a big jump. Um, And it's the largest population we ever had on record in this country since 1841, pre-famine. And of course, many millions died or indeed had to leave Ireland back during the famine. So 5.1 million and more and more are living longer now, it would appear. So they, and also, of course, we've got more people coming to live in Ireland. We have statistical information now up to the back end of November of last year that there were nearly 63,000 Ukrainians alone uh, came into came into Ireland to add to the population. So that would probably um, bring it up higher than the 5.1 million that we know of statistically. So just some interesting stats there from 2021 and 2022. Fia and Jack, the most popular boy and girl's name. Uh, text 0868104106. I want to get to text and I will do, but I'm conscious of calls as well. Paul is standing by, but first up, John, good morning. Hi, John, how's it going? I'm good. Uh, you, you, were, you were listening um, and just wanted to pick up on how soft we are on immigration. It was something that Michael Collins, the TD in West Cork, also touched on before 10. Go ahead on yeah, that. It, yeah. He was well spoken on it because, look, it's simple as it is, right? You have people who work, right? And you have people who don't work, right? So the incentive is the less you, the, the more you get, like the less you do, and the more you work, the less you have. So the thing is, if there's people come into the country, they should offer something. They should want to come in and add to it. It's like doing voluntary work. You're not going to pay someone to do voluntary work here because then they wouldn't, they do, then they'd do it. So the thing is, it's, I, I always say, like, I mean, I'm listening to Neil every single morning and it's just, I, I, I have to, sometimes I have to turn it off because I get so upset thinking that, you know, like listening even to New Year's news about people being stabbed and, that poor Brazilian girl and all that—it it just breaks my heart. Like, you know, can I, I just ask you about that? Myself. Can I just yeah, ask? I'm yeah. very curious, as as a, as a regular listener, um, yeah. does does negative news and depressing news, or news of court cases and deaths and stabbings, and what, does that get you down? It, it does, and the thing is, like, I mean, I'm a young man myself, right? But I could imagine if I was a certain age listening to that every single day, I would, I'd be thinking, like, what has happened? Our country, what happens in our society? My mother always told me there was an important letter in the alphabet, and it was letter R, respect. And I just think, like, you know, and it's it's not about someone's upbringing and all that. We all have consciousness, we all have brains, but I just think sometimes it's just, I just feel in our country, in our society, I just think, like, the less you care, the better you are, and the more you care, the more penalized you are. And I just think, like, when I hear all, I don't blame people coming from the country from war and stuff like that, but at the end of the day, if they're coming in, as I said, the more you get, the more you want. So the thing is, I think Michael Collins said it very well. He said that, you know, like, if you're coming to this country, add to it. You know, don't take, take, take and take because you have people who are working. Like there was a, that DIY SOS thing I saw on RT about Ukrainian families getting housed on Mitchellstown. If I was a single parent with children in a hotel watching that, honestly, I'd, have, I, I'd be heartbroken. I know. You know what I'm it's, it's, it's things like that. And like, I, I work full time out of my own house and all that. I'm actually getting upset listening to it because it's just, I don't know, like, I'm nearly 40 years of age, and I just think, like, you know, I have niece and nephews that I grew up in this country, and I'm just thinking, like, I'm tired of being treated like a second-class citizen in my own country. And I think that if I went to any other country, I'd have to respect their laws 
and, and their beliefs, even if I don't understand it, I still respect it. I just think people who come to this country, if they have a bit of respect for the people but who the walk vast in this country... But, but the vast majority of people who do come here respect it. They do abide by the yeah. letter R that your mammy taught you about. And they yeah. come here to work. I mean, Bruna yeah. Fonseca came here from Brazil and was working here. You know, that's just Absolutely. a typical example. Yeah. Imagine, like, see, what I'm trying to say is, it's not, I'm not generalizing, because I said I work with all different ethnicities, I work with, and they're fantastic people, you can't generalize, and I'm not generalizing, even our own Irish, you know, they, there's some that work and some people don't, and that's their own business, but at the end of the day, if I went to Australia in the morning, I'm not going over there to claim benefits, I want to go over there because I want to better my life, and if people have that attitude and have that incentive, then I think that, and I know, and what John, the biggest thing that I want to bring this morning is, People want about equality and fairness in this country. If everyone was on the same level pegging in this country, a lot of people would get on. But it seems to be about the poor against the rich, and the rich is, is the poor. And I think we're, like, we're kind of we're, we're getting people to kind of fight amongst each other because of, of the, like, when the government brought out things there again. I mean, I'm working full time with a mortgage, and to listen to like this going up and the uh, parenthood and all that, and you know, it seems to be all social welfare payments. But where's my break? I know. Where's yeah. my little break? I mean, I'm yeah. still waiting for my thousand euros that I worked through a pandemic, but yeah. I'm still waiting for a thousand euros. I'm struggling myself. I'm a single person. But do you, do you, do you feel that you're the fool for working? Oh, but Neil, I'll tell you one thing. If it, and I'll be, I'm going to say it straight out, right? I have mental health. I work. I struggle with depression, anxiety, yeah. but I still go into work every day. And I do my best. I love my vocation. I would never want to be idle. An yeah. idle mind is interesting in my view, okay? Yeah. And I think the more people, there'd be less mental health in this country if people got out and did something. I choose to work. I want to work. Even if I was getting eight hours an hour, I'd do it for my own mental health. But just listening to you yesterday, I was getting a tired change and it broke my heart to listen to all the negativity. And it's not you promoting negativity. It's just our country's gone to shit. Excuse my word. Excuse my wording. It's just... It's so distracting. Get up at half six in the morning, come home at ten o'clock, and does it? I have to do it every single day, like many others. But just to listen to. Is your day that hours. long, John? Yeah, it is. It's, it's, a, it's a fourteen hour day. It's a twelve hour shift, but it's by the time I get to work and come back and stuff. But it's just, I don't know. I, I, I just feel that. I know. I just feel a bit. Just sometimes you just feel like giving up because you think, why should I add to a society that's not giving back? And you know, it's a, it's a people that the more they want, they got the more they get, the more they want. And I just think in our country, I think if we kind of looked out for everybody and treated everyone equally, you know, even people who are working, give them a break. If people on social welfare are getting a break, why don't we get a break? Why don't we get something taken off? But it seems to be the less you do, the more you get, and the more you work, the more you struggle. And do you, do you believe that the less you do, the more you get, and the more that impacts 100%. on your mental health? And do you think that it also 100%. leads to a social breakdown? Oh, 100%. That's what I'm trying to say. It's a social breakdown. It's the government piecing people against each other. So I'm saying it's, as I said to you, like if I, I, mean, I have worked since I was a young fella. I put myself through college and I think that's the way we were brought up. But I just think like, you know, when you hear people saying, oh, I'm entitled, that word entitled, that kills me. When I yeah. hear that entitlement, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there should be no such thing as entitlement. You get up off your arse and you do a bit. And if you don't do anything, tough shit. No, no, no mun, no fun. Mm. But I just think these days, like I went into citizens for information just to say something about work and I saw on the wall free this, free this, free this, free this, free this, free this. No offense, but if I went to a country where I was offered a free house and whatever else, I'd go there if I if I'd never been sent off if, if that was the way I was. You, you, you don't you do you clearly don't believe and you're not alone that a house is an entitlement. You you would believe oh, that 
Um, in, in some circumstances, perhaps, yes. But yeah. for the vast majority, it should not be an entitlement. One should work for it. Neil, I tell you one thing. If you, if you, when you hear people, like when I hear, so like my host, okay, I don't live in a mansion. I know I don't want to live in a mansion. I think that I close my door at night and I think, you know something, I, I, I owe it, it's mine. And, I, you know, I work hard for it. But isn't it, if I got a free car in the morning, no, if it got scratched, I couldn't care less. It's got to go for free. But if you paid for that car, you would mind that car. Same as you can mind your house. You get a free house, you see some houses there, and you know that they don't work. And there is shit, the grass is 10 feet high and all that. I take pride in my house because I work for it. But if you get things for free in this country, you're not going to you're not going to uh, respect people. You're not going to respect, you know, what you get. Because you get it for free. But if you worked for it and you respected people that work hard as well, you'd see the difference in society. But I just think in this country, we just seem to be a, a, a big, massive pond of the social welfare. And as I said, like, I mean, if I was told, I had a, a phone call from my friend saying, come on, Ireland, there, Jesus Christ, you get loads of things free and all that. And they, they, if, you, if, you, if you end up in trouble with the law, Cheer out the next day. And that's the thing. It just kills me. I, I watch my speed limit every morning going to work. I always make sure that I'm courteous on the road and I do my, my job. And what's the point? What's the point? Of your taxes are in order. Your car insurance is in order. Your NCT, your motor tax. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm dealing with mental health and the same thing. I'm still trying to be a decent, hardworking person. It just kills me when I hear it every morning, man. It kills me. But do you do you think just on that just on that point yeah. should should I be sharing stories like that? Um, oh, because it's I the real know. world we're living in, or should we airbrush them? No, 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 no! Don't airbrush them, nothing. The likes of yourself, Neil. I said I've been listening to you for a long time. The reason I say I turn off the radio is because that you're a human being, all right, and you work hard, all right. And I know you were sick over last year. You still came in to work. There's no point. It's because you're passionate about your job. No, but I'm, I'm, you, you want to be there. Yeah. And I'm the same as well. I'm passionate about my job as much as I... I mean, it's three years ago I wanted to do it myself because I just want to be here anymore. I don't no, want no. to be in the world. You know, I don't want to... You know, it kills me, Neil. And the thing is, the more I listen to you, the more realisation that there's fucking nothing happening in this country. It seems to be going backwards. Looking at the government, it just seems to be like lying in your pockets and forget about people who actually care about the country. And how have the last three years been for you? Thankfully, you're still you're still with yeah, us and putting one I've foot in front of the other. Family, and I have nieces and nephews that I love, and only for them. Neil, I went up to see my sister to say goodbye, and when those kids came over to me, they said they loved me. It broke my heart because that was the day I wanted just to finish this. I didn't want to be in this world anymore, but only for my nieces and nephews. I, I'd want to be here. So as I said, it's just, I'm a very passionate Irish person. And I work really hard. And I could have given up many times. But when I hear people calling in about, oh, I'm entitled to this and I want this and I want that. And then hear people being stabbed. And there's, there's no, there's no, nothing. And you're in healthcare then. You know, and you, you want to give so much. We want to help people. Yet this, the more people you help, the more people are coming But in. I'm just wondering for your own mental health and your own stability, yeah. should you be listening and absorbing all of that kind of news? I don't want to lose you as a listener, and I'm no, quite sure no, 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 no. that you, you know, you, you know, I don't know how much you spend on, on online or social media and how much I of this negativity you're absorbing into your life. Um, but I it's mean, not even that, Neil. It's Neil, the thing is, I'm sorry to call it, it's not even your radio station. It's every day in society. There's people that that are not disabled, parking sales spots. I'll be two minutes there and just going over to the cash machine. No respect. People driving on their phones, people with kids, you know, hanging out the windows, you know. It's just there's no lack of attention. But for, but for you personally, and, and a lot of people are texting saying, what an impassioned point of view. People are very respectful about what you're saying here, texting. Yeah. Really and truly, I'll read them out in a few minutes. But would yeah. you not be better off trying to live in a world 
you know, where you cut all of that out of your life. You try not I mean, to I, see all of those I mean, things in society. It's not, it's not you, you can't, you can't go your entire life with blind blinkers and you can't, you can't. And it's, it's a frightening world that if I have to do that, I should be, I should have to get up in the morning, put my two feet over the bed and think, you know, how lucky I am to be healthy and happy and alive today. But when I hear people, like, that, like that, that, that poor Brazilian girl, that poor, she's beautiful, like, and to have to be so far away from home, and that fucking scumbag, excuse me. No, well, let, let's not let's not go there now, and let us the yeah. court take its course in that I one. Know, but yeah, but I, mean, I, I know there's, just... no, there's no prison good enough for that for, for people like him. And to go, if he goes to prison, Ireland. All right, let's not even let's not even go yeah. there now because Sorry. of the court case that's pending. Yeah. But I know what you're yeah. saying in 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 societal terms. I understand that. But I, I'm, no I'm just sense of Neil anymore. Just like, as I said, it's just it's a slap on the wrist. It's it's a couple of years, and any other country in the world to have very very strict rules and behaviours and all that.
Don't think of the money. Don't think of the, 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 the paper. Think of the human life that needs love and attention. Stop thinking of it as a profit. And at the end of the day, the more kids you have, the more it's coming out of my pocket that I have to work for, that I'm struggling with. So maybe think of other people instead of thinking of yourself. And that's what kills me. People are fucking selfish in this country. Yeah. I w- there's people like myself that like, and it's, it's like people like myself there could be people working in a sweet shop or so people who work part time and all that my sister has three kids and she works part time and she's struggling she doesn't have a free house did you have an exa- did you have an example the other day of some individual who refused to let a woman work on his car because she was female is that the kind of world we're living in now did that actually happen yeah, yeah. yeah and the thing is it's just it's just like the more you give people these these weird ambitions and viewpoints in our country, we don't work like that. It doesn't matter if you're a male or female, whatever you identify as. If you're coming into as a service, you respect that person and you leave and do their job. Do you know? I so, hate that. Uh, how would that woman have felt, a, a trained mechanic or whatever it was that she was doing, where, to be told where's sorry? Where's discrimination there, Neil? Where's discrimination there? As I said, I don't see people as colour or ethnicity. I see if you're, if you're of colour or you're Irish and you treat me like a piece of shit, you're then you're a so and so, and it's not about your color. I know, yeah, oh, I know, and I wish you could. I wish we could get beyond color and creed and just deal with people on how they treat you. That's, yeah, yeah. That's a hundred years ago, Neil. As I said, we're all made of the same stuff, and we all need to stop and think. Hang on a second. I hope so and so is doing okay. Instead of thinking of me, 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 me. Well, there's a lot of people texting now. Want you to be okay and to do okay and to be strong I'm and fine, to keep you on going. Tell your sisters, I'm fine. I'm just I'm in the car now, and I just said I want to get some burgers and I want to just enjoy my day. And just, please do. I just, I just I just felt I needed a ring because I'm one of those people like I have a strong wick as and I have a strong line of you know as in like, but it just your ethos is good day. yeah no I know and you've I got the backbone you're not don't apologise for offloading there's been a big response yeah. to what you're saying there's also those that can help you incidentally and if you ever feel that you need to pick up the phone and contact anybody then you know there's also a listening ear who will listen to you like when I'm listening oh, to you right now yeah. the Samaritans are very good you're probably aware of that 116123 I'm house. I ring just me. I, I friends and family okay and I wouldn't, it's not that I, like I said, we all have our monkeys. Everyone has their monkeys. I just don't want to put my monkey into their zoo. So I can about I know what you're I saying. I ring the house. Good man. I ring the Samaritans and I ring Aware. And they're so fantastic. Good. They're the nicest people. And if I'm, if my, if I find that I'm struggling, at boiling point, I'm struggling. And I do struggle. It's every day I struggle with the virus. It's every single day. But it's like a girl or a man put a makeup in the morning to go into work. When they come home and take off their makeup, it's like comedian went on stage. You're funny, funny, funny. But when you go off the stage, you're just, you've nothing more to give. And then sometimes I just feel I've nothing more to give. That's but you're not I alone, you see. That's the thing. Yeah. I don't know whether you take consolation or strength from that, that this is not anything yeah. exclusively yours. We're all yeah. acting, man. We're all yeah. in some way acting in your lives. We all yeah. have baggage. I mean, yours sounds as if it's particularly traumatic to you and it, it does sound that yeah. way to me but you're not exclusively struggling we all have our struggles yeah. we all have our monkeys we all have our dark days we all yeah. have things that we wish to God we were we did differently or could do differently we all yeah. ask the question what's this about What what is this that I just get old and I'll die and what was the point yeah. you know what I mean we all struggle with that so yeah. this is not anything that you're alone with although this no. is exclusively yours I understand that yeah. you know? and you can say one more thing there okay I help the homeless for about a year and a half uh, with an organisation, okay? And you know, the reason I did that, all right, was firstly, I never looked down my nose at anybody, whether they're below me or above me, okay? 
But I helped the homeless in Cork for a year and a half. I was an EMT that went to rounds doing you know, first aid. I was giving out clothes and food like everybody else, okay? And someone asked me one day, they were like, why are you doing that? And I said, you know why I'm doing it? It's because I, w- I didn't get my house until this year. But I was living at home. And I thought, imagine if, God forbid, if everything just went to shit and I ended up on the street, oh, how would I feel? Yeah. And the reason I did that because I wanted to show them that just because you're on the floor or you're sleeping on a blanket or you're someone's child and you need to be housed, you're the vulnerable people of Ireland. You're the people that need to help the 11,000 people in this country that are without houses, okay? They're not all people who are not doing anything to life. These are probably hard-working people. Yeah, people yeah. are probably still with mental health, like myself. Yeah. But at the end of the government needs to look after their own first. And I'm very passionate about it. I'm not a racist. But look after your own first. And I guarantee you see the change in our culture. You see that the, the, instead of hatred towards people, you see more respect. But I just think the more that you bypass people and treat Irish people, or even people who are in, in this country for 20 years on the housing list as second-class citizens, the more hatred and the more mm, stuff you'll see. More division. If the government yeah. look after the people who are vulnerable right now, you'll see a massive change in society. But you keep bypassing people who are struggling, the more hatred is going to build up in this country. And trust me, there's the more mental health, the more people are going to take their lives because they're thinking, I'm struggling, and no one gives a shit. Well, you, I care. You, 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 know? you look after yourself, all right? And have a yeah. good day today and be kind to yourself. Yeah, I mean, as I said, happy year to you. All right, I'm going to keep listening to you. Thanks, John. Take care. Take care. Take care. Mind yourself. Cheers. Lots of texts on this. Get involved. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. I'll take a call and then I can come back to the text, particularly texts that are coming in with regards to the very impassioned point of view that uh, John has. Very personal to him. Paul, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are things? Um, I'm good. Uh, let's let's just uh, let's just park what what John had to say there. Unless you have an opinion yeah. on what he had to say, do you? Oh, I just feel sorry for the man, Neil. You know, he's he's obviously you know struggling with mental health, and you know he's obviously very upset and very impassioned. And I agree with a lot of what he said. A lot of people agree with what he has to say, but yeah. I just want him to know that he, he's not alone in many Absolutely. of the feelings well, that I'm, he had. I was going to say, I don't know where in Cork where he lives, but if you want to pass my number on to him, we meet up for a coffee or something. Cheers, pal. <laughs> Thanks for that. Thanks for that. Were you were you in, in Sydney working for many years? Something like 15 years as well, I was, well, um, I was managing both. I was there for 18 years, but I was a bartender and then I kind of gradually moved up the ladder. Um, but I was, yeah, managing pubs for 15 years. <clears throat> And what, what was the point that you wanted to pick up on? Um, we talk about people, say, for instance, in Killarney and the hotel in Killarney and the, the knives and the stabbings and things like that. Are you comparing that or, or trying to make a point about the Irish? No, it, it, it was more about New Year's Eve I was talking about. Okay, but, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like the pub used to be empty till one in the morning, but I did that. That's different. But with Killarney, like, um, yeah, they, they wouldn't be. They'd be gone from Australia by now. They'd be literally stuck on a plane. Like, but they well, they no, but they probably the would. They probably would have a very fast court case, wouldn't they? Uh, it'd be quicker in here, but not. But they wouldn't be. They wouldn't get into the country in the first place. They put asylum seekers on an island called Nauru, which. The UN say is illegal, right? So, okay. you agree with that or not, it's up to your, up to your listeners and yourself. Like, but um, and 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 all the, the processing the, would happen on that island, is it? 
Yeah, but someone who have been there for like nearly 20 years and they still haven't been processed. So what would the deportation rules and laws be like in, in Australia? Well, if you, if you turn up there without a passport or uh, you're basically turned around and stuck back on a plane, back to wherever you came from, that's literally how they do it. And it, it happens rapidly, does it? Oh, oh, straight at the airport. You'd be put in handcuffs and with the next plane available that wherever you arrived from, you'd be put on that. Because here like here you can arrive, destroy your yeah. documentation, come in, claim any kind of different forms of refugee status and then you're looked after and processed and, and listened to and then either allowed to stay or go. It, it can be a very lengthy process. It's It's... It is a bit odd, Neil. Like, I, I was in London a couple of weeks ago and, you know, like, I came back into Cork Airport and my passport was checked, which is fair enough, I had my passport in my pocket. So if I'm in my own country and my passport is checked, but you can arrive in without a passport, no problem. That, that's that's right. what I find a bit odd. Yeah, that's right. That's right. When did you come back from Australia? Uh, 2017. 2017. So that's like five almost. Yeah. We're into the sixth yeah, year of, of your return. Half, June. Yeah. Half, so I think there's yeah. probably an awful lot more Irish there now since you left because there's been a huge exodus in the last yeah, year or well, two. There was, a, there was a massive arrival during the recession. And when they arrive, just, just talk to me about, have they plans when they get there? Are they following other pals out there or what typically? Oh, you, can, you can arrange jobs now before you even get on a plane. Yeah, yeah. Like the, the, the government now, because like, they obviously have states over there, so they have state governments. I was just reading the Australian news the other day, like I read it every day. Um, the Western Australian government, where a lot of the mining is, so yeah. there's a lot of good money to be made there. They're going to start offering jobs to Irish people, not just Irish people, but kind of Europeans. They prefer kind of English speakers, so probably also in England, and, you know, the Welsh and the Scottish. And um, they're going to offer them free flights, um, $10,000, which is about six-something thousand euros, in rent relief, and they'll also get tax relief. They're pitched. They're, they're so stuck now for tradesmen because a lot of people left the country. But why are they stuck? Like, first, just honing in on mining. Like, would you need any experience to leave here to go over there work in the mines? Um, I don't think you need experience, but you probably need to be qualified. I wouldn't know a whole lot about it now, to be honest. No, because no, I know of people who are out there working in the mines and never did any of that here. So obviously, they're making yeah. huge money out there and a great they're, standard. I think they're engineers. Yeah, I don't even know about that. I mean, there would be is this this work for two weeks, off for two weeks kind of a job in the mines. It's hard work. Yeah, they call them FIFO workers, fly in, fly out. So you you literally fly to work. The plane takes you to work and you work there for two weeks and then they fly you back to wherever you're living for two weeks. Yeah. So when they typically go to Australia or to Sydney where you were, they start their job. Um, it's a completely different type of life and lifestyle that they love. They've got a lot more disposable income. They, they hit the Irish pubs, do they? Yeah. They, they tend to live in, um, like, I can only speak for Sydney, the same place I lived. Like, there's a place, now any of your listeners who are there would know, it's called Bondi. Yeah. Which is kind of halfway between the city and the beach. It's, like, full of Irish people living there. They call it, like, you can buy T-shirts on Paddy's Days. They call it County Bondi. <laughs> and you can buy T-shirts that's got the 33rd County written on it. <laughs> and and by and large, because you worked in pubs there, are they much stricter with alcohol consumption? Way stricter. Okay. Way stricter. 
like you have to do a course. If you work anywhere that sells alcohol, you have to do like a full day course. It's called an RSA, Responsible Service of Alcohol course. Um, So it's effectively like a driver's license to sell alcohol. Um, I used to get six, seven, could be eight visits a night from the police just inspecting the place to see if anyone's drunk and if they're drunk, you get fined. You're fine, but what about the the punter? No, no, the, the punter doesn't get fined. No, no. The, the management, or the, generally the owners can get the fine. Okay. Like, okay. Te- technically they can find a bartender, but that, that doesn't really happen. I've never heard of that happening. Is there hassle, though? Because you said in your text there was quite a lot of hassle with the Irish over there. What, what do you mean by that? Well, not not necessarily Irish. Like, just, it was just the text I got back said, do you have problems with the Irish? And it was like, they just don't understand that the laws are stricter there. You know, like here, you know, most places you can just get as drunk as you want. But over there it's just the second I, I think they're too harsh over there I think we could be a little bit stricter here um, but you know we've heard but we, you know we've heard of, 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 of fights and assaults in Australia involving oh. Irish oh yeah 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 and people do get drunk over there I mean they, people slip through the system but um, is it that, that sometimes they're they go away very young and it's kind of like the freedom of this new life, and they they yeah, and it, they and go a bit crazy. Well, I think. Well, this is just my own personal theory. Is Irish people aren't used to twenty-four hour pubs, so we're used to kind of hammering into the drink because the pub is shut at half twelve. Whereas over there, the pub is open at five six in the morning. So, like, Aussies are kind of a little bit better at pacing themselves. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there's, there's no shots over there. They're illegal. There's no doubles over there. They're illegal. Um, what do you mean shots are illegal? In, in what way? Like a, like a baby Guinness would be illegal. Like, you know, so like a shot of tequila at the bar. Is oh, it's illegal, yeah, yeah. In most pubs, not every pub. It's conditioned on your license. So what happens if somebody wants a whiskey or, or, or a tequila? Well, I'll tell you something, Neil. Um, when they brought, those new laws only came in, I'd say about eight or nine years ago, wasn't long before I came home. Yeah. I had three Scottish lads, right? They were just retired, so they were in their 60s. And they, they were kind of doing a bit of a trip around the world, you know, as a retirement kind of presence to themselves. And they ordered three whiskeys niece. Three what? Sell it three whiskeys niece. And I couldn't sell it. You couldn't sell them. So you could I, not sell a tray of five, ten, or fifteen tequila shots. No. But you could do that in a pub or a club in Cork. Yeah, of course you can. Yeah, yeah, sure. I work. I work in hospitality in Cork. I often get rounds of eight, nine shots or double vodkas. Or so you'd have a tray of eight or nine double vodka shots that people would just horse yeah. in one go. Yeah, the double vodka shots. So someone might come up and go, because they do a lot of events. And so they'd be like double vodka, so six double vodkas and six baby Guinness. And like, right. But you, <laughs> okay. but, but you have to give it to them. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, if, if I refuse them, geez, I'd be in trouble for my boss. Yeah, yeah. And why was it made illegal in Australia to do that? Was it because people were demented <laughs> after them? 
It's to keep people sober, yeah. Okay, do you think this should be abolished and outlawed here? No, no. As I said, I think we could be a little bit stricter. If someone's hammered, you know, instead of giving you another one, maybe kind of get them out the door, just for their own safety alone. But these these um, these shots, for instance, so sometimes they're double shots in small little in small little glasses. Yeah. Y- you might you might feel fine for a period of time and be having a really great time, but you've consumed too much of this high alcohol content. That yeah. minute, the minute you you know, within an hour or so, you're completely out of control, or you have no control, or you go out and the air hits you, and you're a mess. And that's good. That's that's going to cause safety issues. It hits you. It, like it, it'll, it'll, if you like if you're hammering double vodkas and shots into you like quickly, it'll it'll hit you like very. And you go from feeling completely sober to falling down within minutes. You also become quite vulnerable, though, in that situation. Yeah, that's what I mean, and that, that's that's the government's over there reasoning behind it is to protect people from themselves. Where the problem arises, and this is just my own theory, the, the theory is right. Someone is a, what what they call approaching intoxication. You have to kick them out, which I actually feel bad about doing that sometimes because they're not causing any trouble, but I have to do it. Um, but pubs in Ireland would do the same, wouldn't they? I, they, I are, know, they would they say you've had enough. Right. Yeah. 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 They'd have to say that, wouldn't they? Oh, at some stage they would, yeah. yeah. And if you, and just finally, and I know I'm giving you the Spanish Inquisition in this, I don't mean... No, I don't but mind, if, you, if you were to compare our drinking culture, because you're back doing it here in Ireland, having done it in Australia for 15, 16, 18 years... Um, how would you compare the Irish for drinking? It'd be the same. As the Australians? Yeah. Or the English? Or the Scottish? Or the, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, this idea around the world level where these big massive drinkers, and I know we are, we are in the top 10, I'd say. But it, uh, the Aussies are the same. My local pub at happy hour at half seven in the morning. <laughs> Your local pub had a what? Happy hour at half seven in the morning. It opened at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, twenty-four hour licenses there. Yeah. So your 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 opinion is that we're no worse than anybody else. No, no, okay. no, definitely not. Even and, and not just our drinking habits, like our aggressiveness or or argumentative. Or we're no different than the Aussie, the English, Scottish, the Welsh, any other nationality. Okay. In the middle of the city, I worked in, so you would. You could have a hundred different nationalities in the pub at any one time. It's like any country in the world, and some people get aggressive on alcohol. But we don't have any bigger problem than anybody else about when we need to go home. No. All right. Okay. Well, I just, I just think they don't understand the laws over there, and and they do. The one thing I will say is, a lot of comments I used to get was, "Ah, but you're Irish, I'm Irish, so you should look after me. You know, let me in. That kind of stuff. I used to get that a lot." Doesn't work that way. Doesn't work that way. No. You're in this country. You respect these because if I keep getting fined, I'm going to get sacked. Yeah. Are you happy you came back? Yeah, happy enough. Yeah, yeah. It's just the weather. The winters are killing me. <laughs> Tell me about it. Tell me about it. 
Look after yourself, man. Happy New Year, Paul. You take too. Care. Happy New Year. Cheers. Take, take care. Back after the break. Text 0868-104-106. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106. Red FM. Lots of texts there coming in with regards to my conversation, uh, emotional conversation with John there a few minutes ago. And I will come back to them, but I'm just conscious of people holding for quite some time. I'll talk to Yvonne in a second. If you can hold on, Yvonne, I'd be so grateful. Michael, good morning. Good now, morning, Neil. I, Good I, to hear you. And you too. I did hear of the legal system in Canada, and I know that there's a kind of a, it's not so much a three strikes and you're out, but there's limited amounts of free legal aid, isn't there? That's right. There's five cases. A person gets five chances to, um, to use free legal aid to fight for them, right? Yeah. After that, they've got to stand on their own two feet and defend themselves. But we have a case there recently, actually, it was in the Dublin area, where that fellow, just before Christmas, had 95 cases against him. They got free legal aid. And the point is, it's like, I, I hate using the expression, but it's like giving a fellow like an international cap, okay? Yeah. That yeah. he can go into, go into prison for a couple of weeks, and he's released, he's back on the streets again, he's playing, he gets another conviction, Please, free legal aid protects him. There's a case actually that was, that was revealed there during the holidays where a certain solicitor in Cork um, was paid 1.5 million by the state last year. Nothing wrong with that though, the system is there for people to be defended by free legal aid, solicitors there providing services. They are indeed, but that's what I'm saying. But it should be changed. It's not working. It's giving a fellow pat on the back to go in and graduate at a higher level and come out and do more. And at the case, as I mentioned there, there's so many. You cover it so much over the time. And every week, there's cases in court, no matter where it is, West Cork, North Cork, throughout the country, where fellows are getting freely delayed, and it's not a deterrent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, and how how does it how does it work in Canada? Um, the, after well, the, I haven't after studied it, but I haven't studied it, but I certainly have heard about it, and I certainly read a little bit about it. You know, yeah. But they get five cases where the state covers them, and after that, they must stand in their own two fees, and it's a form of discipline. But they, that must be employed here, and as I said, the solicitors, the law society, will go against this because it's. Spread for nothing. Well, in the case now, for instance, of what the carry on down below in uh, Killarney, I, Killarney, I know yeah. that there would have been free legal aid and will be free legal aid granted for all of these individuals. Yeah. And also a, a fairly hefty expense with regards to interpreters. They will also get interpreters in their, in their own yeah. language. I suppose that is a necessity if they don't speak English, right? Fair enough, yeah, to give them a free, to give them a fair trial. But when convicted, the thing that's going to stop so much of this thing is a simple word called deportation. Fellas, whether they're from Algeria, whether they're from Jordan, no matter where they're from, if they're convicted, send them back to their country of origin. They do not fit in here. We've not blackguards, we've not thugs in our country who are doing frightful damage. We had so many problems around Cork in the last two weeks, as you well know, and similar throughout the country. But the thing is, we must stop it happening. Yeah, yeah, good point. Well, continue. The whole country, the whole country, in other words, will go into civil war. All right, thank you for that. And the prison, as you know, as you can appreciate, Neil, a fellow goes to prison, it's 80,000 per year. It's at least that. that. It, might even be a little, it might even be a little bit higher than that, but it's in and around that amount, yeah, to... to, to uh, Hold on, yeah, and the money could, could be put to more needful purposes, such as hospitals or beds, which is a big typical point at the moment. So it's up to, like, to Michal Martin, who is in Ogre at the moment as Minister for Foreign Affairs, 
through, like you did with the smoking ban, to show us through colours and sight for this type of thing. Yeah, you see your man there, you see your man who was talking about this morning, uh, a 41-year-old man, he... uh, he was caught shoplifting for the 50th time. He eventually got 10 months jail from Olin Kelleher. Don't know how long he'll spend in jail. But that's a typical example of the 50th time. It could be said that there would have been a lot of free legal aid appearances there, wouldn't there? You can, you can write it down. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And the other thing, yeah. you've never heard the civil rights club coming out and criticising the black guarding that happened in court, the black guarding that happened in, um, in Ferrari. And Michael Collins, who was a great man in West Cork, like he hit the nail on the head. What are you going to do? We send some of these folks from Clarny down to Clarny County, 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 and beautiful, beautiful West Cork. Some people are saying that people should be remanded in custody until the next court date. Thank you for that, Michael. Appreciate it. Yvonne, good morning. Can you happy hear me? New Year to you and, you, and Happy New Year to you as well. Now, there was a time in your life when you were living in Dubai. Yes, okay. for five years. Okay. How long ago was that when your, when your husband died in your arms in Dubai? Yeah, in 1999. We, well, I moved to Bristol when I was 20. So in 1999, we sold our house in Bristol in UK. We moved to Dubai. My husband worked for a very big bank, you know. Everything was going well, but there was no um, help there. So the money we had on our property, we had to use for accommodation and for the school, private school for the kids. Yes, his company did help us, but not all all the time. And he became, it was only a little mark on his foot, and it ended up in front of me, he had a heart attack. Now, I was working there at the, at the time, um, and in 2003, he died in my arms. But I had two months, Neil, to get out of the country with two little babies, and I came back to nothing. And when I came back to Bristol, I had to live with family friends, which were very good to me. And then I had to gradually build my life with two little babies on my own. Okay, so there was no social system that kicked in in Dubai to help no. you? No, you're either rich or poor. I had the police at my door. Two policemen came to my apartment in Sharjah, where we lived. And I even had to leave my car, my Jeep, there because I hadn't had time to go and get my money back on the car. Would you believe it? Sounds as if you were almost escorted to the airport, were you? Yes, I was. And I was straight out within two months, they give you. They're either you're rich or poor. There's no in-between. And it should be the same here and England. I've had to work hard. And my sisters, my brothers, they all work here. But I've come home from Bristol for the Christmas just to see my dad and the family. And what I'm seeing in Cork City is an absolute disgrace. In what way? I thought Bristol... I just feel that... Um, there's too many. Now, I'm not racist. I'm not anything. I'm really, I'm for everybody and I'll help anybody. But the government are giving them too much hair. And this incident in Killarney, I mean, I would have loved to visit Killarney. I'm afraid to go there now over what's happened. And also in Cork, the Brazilian woman, all this is happening. And it's all 
no disrespect to anybody. But the criminality in the UK is off the charts. I don't know whether it's like in Bristol, but God almighty, it's shocking. I follow London, you got the bombs, you got them going off, you got Manchester. Yeah, but you have serious gang warfare. You have knife crime gone through the roof. People carrying guns, murders, assaults, No, over in England, I believe that the, the police are fair. But if there's a problem and they haven't got a visa, they should be sent right back. They're coming in in boats, look. And as that lady said to you yesterday, they're coming in in boats. It's all male people coming in. Yes, there's a couple of families, and the boat's overturning. Why can't they block off all the areas around, or either... Have a big I think I think the French love to see. Back. I think the French love to see immigrants leaving France, don't they? I know it's so bad over there. Really, I feel sorry for everybody, man, woman. But why are they coming here? You know what they said on it was on TV quite a bit back. Brazilian man, him and his family come back and forth to London. Oh, the Queen. The Queen looks after me. I go back to London and she gives me money for my house here. This all needs to stop. I believe, even though we're out now we're in Brexit, but we've had three Prime Ministers. I do a better job than him myself. We're bad, but Britain is a basket case. Brexit was Bristol the worst thing they ever did. not too bad. More up London now. But they're, they're just coming on top of us and the country is going to the dogs. Okay. But uh, just finally, I wouldn't want to be living in a system like... Um, Dubai. Say, for instance, if your children had been born in Dubai, would you have been allowed to stay then? Or no, no, ah, no. sure, that's draconian. No. That's draconian. And you know what? If you're an Arab, and the more babies you have, now it's gone up to twenty thousand dirhams. They they actually uh, give to the families, but you're either rich or poor. And there's no in between. Mm. I was lucky, you know, we had insurance and my my husband looked after me to come back. But I had nothing. It was terrible in Dubai because, like, two months and they were on my door. And I said, look, I got another two days to get the, the Jeep sorted to go back. Yeah. And they said, sorry, out. And you know when my husband died? Because he was mixed race, they lost his body. Really? He thought he was Indian, yeah, and he was Irish. What do you mean they lost his body? They lost his body in in freight and transit. Okay, okay. But it was sad, mind. But for how long was he lost? He was lost for uh, eight hours, and we were up London, up Heathrow in Dubai. He got lost. We missed our flight. And they never put his coffin, well, his box on the plane. That's awful. That's awful. Yeah, yeah. And I had two little babies, but I had no help whatsoever. Only the friends that I had, close friends and family. Now, I'm all for helping anybody, right? I wouldn't see a dog on the street. But Ireland and England need to look after their own people first before they, you know, in town... I'm in town, I see Irish people sitting on the floor begging. There's no need for that. And it's the same in Bristol and London, in UK, all but over a lot, the But place. unfortunately, a lot of that, I don't have much time left, but a lot of what you're seeing is people who are in the throes of addictions. Um, and they need, what, what they actually need is rehabilitation. They do, they need help, but their own, their own needs help before others. Okay, all right. 
Thanks, Yvonne. Text 0868104106. Back after 11, lads. Back after 11. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features, and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from 4. Dave Max Drive. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Frienderville Show Conversation with John a little earlier on and uh, clearly very impassioned and uh, you know dealing with issues in his own life This is heartbreaking Please ask him if he wants my email address for a chat There are better times ahead and he sounds like he needs hope and he needs comfort Um, Interestingly somebody says most of your listeners are on the dole or disability and are only laughing at that man just on the radio Poor fella sounds absolutely wrecked. I think that's an, an incredibly broad statement to make. I don't know whether you're actually being serious in that, saying most of your listeners are on the door on dis- dole and disability and laughing at that man. But there is it nonetheless. Pat says, I listen to you every day, but when the news of a topic gets dark, I turn on an 80s digital station instead. There's no news and the music takes me back to a better place. It's an interesting one. You've got to wonder about the impact of negativity or news stories that impact on people in different ways. I often think about that, actually. But then again, I wonder, is airbrushing the real world actually the way to go? John sounds like an amazing human being, and I would love to meet up for a coffee and a chat if you'd like. I feel the pain in every word he was saying to you. Pass on my details. Uh, That young man on the show now is speaking 100% the truth. His work and salary is hammered. With no way out, says Liam. It's the same for so many. I 100% agree with John. I'm working two jobs. I'm physically and mentally drained. I'm being taxed to my eyeballs. I'm attending college part-time to try and get a better degree to get better pay. I'm paying bills, saving for a mortgage. And then so many people sitting on their backsides doing nothing and getting everything handed to them. No wonder the likes of us and John struggle. Just look at the amount of young people that have left for the likes of Australia. Yeah, and and they're right too, because they're going for a better life. They're not going to be Australian freeloaders. They're going to work and have a better life, right? Please get some garage to fix that man's car, Neil. It would be great for him to receive an act of kindness. Somebody wants to get in touch and sort out that. That wasn't the purpose of John's call, incidentally. But if somebody wants to reach out, reach out. I'm, I'm good for that. Mary says, fair play to John. He speaks, he speaks what most of us think. The people running this country are a disgrace. It's about time all the Irish get together and say enough is enough. Anyone causing trouble, like in Killarney, should be deported immediately, not sent all over Ireland to cause more trouble and to make it more unsafe for others to walk the streets. What a speaker he was. He's the best I've ever heard. May God give him strength, says Eilish. Poor fella. Um, my heart is broken for the guy on the air. I hope he's okay. But I have to say I agree with every single word he said. He makes some amazing points. Love him. Hope he's okay. Uh, at work, says Anne. I hope that many of our politicians are listening to your conversation with John. Yeah, but even if they were, would it make any difference? They might nod in a sympathetic manner, but... What difference would it make? Couldn't agree more with every single word he had to say. If only there were more people like him, as open and as honest in the world. Um, that lad makes great points. Um, the lad is talking, is taking, but I think it's just picking up on some points that I made to John. Uh, John is taking too much notice of all the crap that goes on in our country. Actually, the texter calls it a kip of a country. I kind of used to be like him. But he needs to stop paying so much attention to all the negative stuff every day that you hear in this country. He needs to appreciate having a job, having a home and his health in general. 
and don't take as much notice to everything else. Yeah, I like that. Um, I, I kind of agree with that. And I made that point to John that try not to absorb it all. Try, try and shut it out. I, I wonder, often wonder if I didn't say do this job, the job that I do day in, day out for. This is my 45th year on air, actually, 45 years next month. I'm wondering, would I absorb all of the news? I probably would, To be, if I'm to be honest, I probably would never, ever, ever read a newspaper. I probably would never watch a news bulletin. Maybe I would live in a more ignorant world with regards to everything that's going on in the world. But I think my mental health would be better. I probably would be a lot more optimistic if I wasn't absorbing as much as I do. Many other people might feel that way. Uh, We pray for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, Ever think about what that means, Neil? How do you think God feels about the state of mankind at the moment? Um, I'm curious as to how God might feel about the state of mankind. And with all of the power that a God might have, what he or she or they might like to do about it, perhaps. They're all powerful. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. Okay, we'll come back to all of the calls, texts and emails. I promise you that throughout the course of the morning and indeed again tomorrow. Text 0868-104-106. Of course, we all know of the sad death of Pele uh, earlier in the week, at the weekend at the age of 82. And of course, it was unbelievable that Gianni Infantino would decide to take a selfie in front of the Brazilian legend's open casket. But nonetheless, that's what he did. But certainly the uh, amount of people that have turned out in Brazil to pay respects to the late Pese, Pele is completely and utterly off the charts. But there's a beautiful article that Barry Roach with the Irish Times wrote um, on the last day of the year just gone with regards to Pele and those that remember Pele and indeed brilliantly those that actually played against Pele back in the day. And amongst them was the great Carl Humphreys, who played for Hibs and for Celtic back in his and their heyday. I mean, it's an incredible story. Carl Humphrey joins me by phone. Carl, good morning. Uh, let me get my phone line sorted. There you are, Carl, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, can, Neil. Can I, ju- can I also just say, it's an honour talking to you through the eyes of me now as a grown man, Thinking back to my childhood, watching you playing for Hibs and playing for Celtic and those fabulous days in the 1970s. So thank you for those memories. They were incredible times, weren't they? Yes, they were great times, Niall. And so look, they come and they go. Yeah. There's yeah. good times now yeah. as well for the Cork soccer lads as yeah. well. Yeah, But kind of kind of looking back to those days, you would have been sort of like a modern day equivalent to a striker back then, wouldn't you, Carl? That's right. That's right. And if you look at your time, say, at Hibs, you'd have been playing alongside Wiggy, Bacuzzi, Dennis Allen, Lawson, Sweeney, people like that? That's right, Neil. They were a good, great, great team. Weren't they? I mean, they were incredible players, weren't they? Uh, so they were a very good side, the Hibs team. And there was all very good teams that time, I thought, Neil, around in fairness. Yeah, but, but I suppose on Lee's side, we would look at the rivalry between, say... Hibs and Celtic because you played for Celtic too. Would it would that been say for instance when Alec Ludzik was in goal for instance? That's right, Alec. I came I came back from West Ham and I was supposed to sign for Cork Hibs, but unfortunately they wouldn't give me enough money that I wanted, so I decided I'd sign for Celtic, and they came up and they gave me enough money to play with them. 
and pre- they had some very good players at the time. Yeah. Would you have been there at the time of the DAV or was that before or after the DAV, for instance? The, uh, the DAV came, the second year I was with Cork Celtic, Carl Davenport came and I think Paul Donovan was sacked as manager and Carl Davenport took over that time. But if you look That's before that, when you were very young, I, and I promise I will come to Pele, but it's just great to talk to before all of this, you went as a 16-year-old to West Ham, didn't you? That's right. Myself and Paddy Short went over on trial to West Ham. We were both. I was about 15 and a half, or so, I think, at the time. And Paddy and myself went off to West Ham on trial. <clears throat> and um, after the one or two games, they invited me back to sign with them, which I was absolutely thrilled. It was a, a fierce novelty to go to a big club at the time. Moreover, West Ham had three World Cup stars. Right. So would that have so been at the time when Bobby Moore was playing with West Ham? Bobby Moore, Jeff Horson, Martin Peters. All they just from won the, World Cup. the 66 World Cup winning team. Exactly. How did it feel players. for a 16-year-old? It was absolutely <clears throat> it was absolutely brilliant at the start, Neil. You you're starstruck and you're, you'll be out training and you're supposed to be training and you're looking at them so for the first few months it was just unbelievable and were they helpful but, and kind and were they good uh, colleagues Jacob, they were the nicest fellas you'll ever meet i tell you a story is that I travelled up to Newcastle with the first team for uh, first team experience no I wasn't playing I was only about 17 and of course I was playing cards with Trevor Brook and <laughs> Billy Bonds, Harry Redknapp. This is a true story now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I lost my money, of course, and we got off the bus in Newcastle. From Newcastle, off the train, from Newcastle, you get the bus into Sunderland. And Bobby Moore called me. He says, Carl, I see you playing cards coming up in the train, he said. Yeah. How did you get on? I said, he said, listen here. This is the truth. thing. He gave me a fiver. That was a lot of money. No, he said, I don't want to ever see you playing cards with them again. They have too much money and you will not beat them. The best so lesson you ever said, learned. It wasn't my eye. We went to the hotel that night. I was up in the room again playing cards. I lost again. Oh, <laughs> but there were, he, I think Bobby Moore took a, a bit of an interest in me because Noel Cantwell was from Cork. Yeah. And Noel Cantwell was his best man. And so he kind of looked after me. But there was a lot of yeah. There, w- there was a stage then when playing again back here with Hibbs, when Hibbs actually went on a tour of America. Was it about seventy seventy six? Right. Kind of was it? Uh, both seventy six. I was playing with Atlone that time, and Cork Hibbs. They wouldn't have had enough players to stay out there for. Four. So I think there was about six or seven guest players went off with Cork Hibbs. That's what I can remember. About and at that stage, of course, Pele had left Brazil and would have been playing for the New York Cosmos then at that stage. That's they exactly. probably would have paid him big money to go to New York, I'd imagine. Oh, my God. I think he was the highest paid athlete in the world at the yeah, time, was he? Incredible. 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 The 1970 World Cup was incredible, wasn't it? Oh, incredible. He was unbelievable. So you're in Giant Stadium then with a lot of other Brazilian teammates from the 70 team, Carlos Alberto was there, wasn't he? I mean, was Rivellino there? Jersey. New York Cosmos, yeah. 
there was a two or three of the Brazilian team, I think, played with New York Cosmos at the time. And then they, they had some great players that time. What was it? I mean, he signed a three-year contract That's to play right. with Cosmos for just under $3 million back then, which would have been Jesus. 10 times that now, obviously. What was that match like? I, Neil, I, it's very hard to remember it. It's, I, I can remember just going on the pitch, and of course we were all starstruck. Look, before the game started in the kickabout, you're just looking down, looking at Pelé. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, watching after the ball. that I can't remember much of the game I'd be quite truthful asked him for, you asked him for his shirt but he did that I didn't happen did, did it? at half time coming off I ran up to him I said you know they, you know in America they love the Irish Yeah. and I just I left him know I was from Ireland I would know could I have his shirt for my kids back home and yes yes not the way he'd speak yeah. but unfortunately for me about 20 minutes before the end of the game he went off injured and he was so valuable. I think they might have brought him to a hospital. When I mean a hospital, but he wasn't around the stadium then anymore. So amazing! I missed those. Amazing! Isn't that an I incredible thing to be able to say that in your playing career, you played on the opposite side to Pele? I mean, it's fantastic. Uh, I suppose when you look back on it, no, I think I have a grandkid there. I think he gets more pleasure out of it than I do. And because he'd come in, Granddad, didn't you play against Pelé? That's no, right. yeah. N- n- none of my friends believe me. And I said, Dad, tell him it was my brother that played no against him. No way, so. it did happen in 1977, yeah. and we have the proof of it. You also then went on to face off against Best, George Best, I believe. What That's that? right. What was that That's like? Right. Um, I was just... They were just league matches. Actually, I was sent off in that game night. <laughs> Why? There was a lad... Oh, he was kicking me and kicking me. And I, I just, not the way you turn around, and I caught him with my elbow. Unfortunately for me, the referee spotted it. Oh, no. So off I goes, and I had to pass George Best, and he started laughing at me. He said, leave it to the Irish again. And he's laughing. <laughs> That's you know, amazing. That? So it was great, actually. I mean, that, that also brings up the topic of you look at modern-day soccer now, and I wouldn't be any huge aficionado of the game now, don't get me wrong, but it seems a lot tamer and a lot kind of, you know, an awful lot more play-acting and diving. Back in your day, it, there was butchery on the pitch, right? Ooh, there was savagery on the pitches. Like, Pelle and Georgie, best modern god they used to get mangled. But God, could they play, though? That was in the Chopper Harris days, we always remember. But but Maradona got hammered, didn't he, also? Oh, God, he, I just looking at highlights of him there about two weeks ago. He used to get hammered as well. But all the skillful players got hammered, I thought. They were targeted, um, weren't they? They were targeted, I'd be quite truthful. You'd have to. And so who were the best for you ever? I mean, you played against Pelle, you played opposite best. Um, you know of Maradona, you know of Messi. Talk to me about that. Maradona, Pelle and Messi would, and George Best would, would be the best players I can remember. But then again, there was some great, great players just a bit below them again. Yeah. So it's, everybody has an opinion. Neil. Yeah, yeah. Best even Best oh. even lined out in Cork, didn't he, for a time? He did. He lined out with Cork, um, Cork Celtic. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I went down to see the match. I wasn't playing that time with them. And the funny thing about it was there was a, a local lad, Brian Maxweeney, playing for Cork Celtic. And if you went into the 
if you did no George Best, you'd have picked out Brian Maxrini. He was brilliant on amazing. the day. Amazing. Isn't it amazing? It, yeah. It's yeah. amazing. And we had great to- talent come out of Cork. I mean, you spoke of yourself and Noel Cantwell and the likes, and uh, but we also had, you know, Keane and Dennis Herman and, and others oh, like that. Oh, God, you know. it's unbelievable. Our Cork has produced some great players. Even before my time, Cork Celtic had some great players. Paul Donovan, Austin Noonan, Donna Leahy. Just had a great team. But did you have your eye on Keane in Cork in the early days? Well, believe this now, Neil, and I think my wife would, and uh, uh, Jerry Mills would be on it. I went down to Cove to look at a match one night. Roy Keane was about 17 or 18. He played against West Brom. And I said, Christ, he's a very good player to myself. Very good. Now, he, he wouldn't get the ball and say, stop beating a load of players, but there was something about him. Yeah. I phoned Bill Derby. He was the chief scout with Arsenal. And I told him, I see a young lad playing against West Brom. He was the best player on the pitch as far as I was concerned. You should take a look at him. Come I said, he, you, he's not going to get the ball now and be a Georgie B people. But I said, he'd be a better player than Ronnie Whelan. Go away. Ronnie Whelan was a great player. Yeah. This is, again, if you're, I suppose you've heard from the Dublin people thinks they know everything compared to us. Yeah. They looked at him three times and he says, what have you seen in that fella? Go away. They didn't see that's it. How, that is the truth. Three times he looked at, and I remember, I think Cove were beaten by a non-league team in the Cup, and his exact words to me is, if he can't play against St. Francis, he can't be much good. Oh, I mean, my listen, God. That's hard to believe. I know, but Clough saw your, something, but Clough saw it in him, though, right? Yeah, that's his opinion. You have to have that little bit of look, Neil. You have to have a little bit of look along the way. But I suppose looking back to those days, primarily at at Hibs, I followed an awful lot more Hibs games than Celtic games, right? But you could have had, I mean, how many thousands of people, Saturday or Sunday, day after day, week after week, huge crowds, like amazing times. But, Neil, I find... (laughs) When you look back in old days, things always look better. And you're a better soccer player. We, people now think I'm a better soccer player than, no, than I was when I was playing. I know but you there were. Was some bad, <laughs> there were some bad crowds there as well, Neil. I often remember playing in front of two or three hundred people only. Maybe it was the it, big derby. It had to be success. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe yeah, it was the yeah. derby games. I remember the Hibs yeah, Celtic yeah, games. Yeah, they yeah. were magic times, though. They, they were, were great games. They were great honest. times. They were great times. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> it's great to chat with you. It really and truly is. lovely to chat to you too, Bringing back those memories. Happy New Year to you and all of the family. And, and the same to you, Neil. Look after yourself. Thanks very much indeed. Incredible. Take care. Incredible. The great Carl Humphreys. Lines open, lads. Your own thoughts and reminiscing. Text 0868104106. Brilliant. The Neil Brenderville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818104106. I was talking earlier on this morning. I'll come back to all the calls and texts and emails. I promise that. But I was talking earlier this morning about all of these different guides and plans that you can come up with for 2023 and the guides 
guide to making 23 uh, a year that you can stick to and they're talking about stop giving things up and instead start thinking about taking things up instead, right? But they then go on and they break it down as to how you can make your life better in 2023. You know, stop manifest, stop thinking about doing things, stop manifesting and actually get on with doing it instead. Uh, you know, moderate your social media use, back off on screen time, get a hobby. Um, you know, don't necessarily give up alcohol if you've tried it in the past and failed. Don't be giving up chocolate. Just be more aware of things that have gone in your life. There was another article this morning that was saying, you know, we've had all of these issues over the past few years, particularly the stresses of the pandemic and the cost of living issues and the war issues and the impacts on that. And there's a new book out now that's talking about it. The key word for many people, of course, is mindfulness. And I suppose a simple way of putting that is minding yourself and prioritizing yourself. I did get an email in, though, saying, sadly, this time of the year is not a happy one for me. As a mother of three, I've struggled with my weight for years following my last pregnancy. January is a really difficult time for me. But now here we go again, bombarded with the post-Christmas ads to get in shape. Athletic models in skimpy clothing, exercising and whatever gym is looking for you to join. And the general pressure on people to change or improve the way they look. And now on top of it, RTE relaunching Operation Transformation. Right at a time when people are feeling most guilty about their life or indeed, in my case, their weight. It's this guilt companies and media feed on that push people to spending more money to try and achieve the so-called perfect body. So instead of focusing on slimming down, why don't we take this month to celebrate our bodies and our shapes instead of feeling shamed and guilty about our figures. Now, we all talk about being kind. Maybe it's time we take that advice on board as a society. I hope you get to read this out this week. It's an important week for many, but don't give out my details. A self-conscious mum. So thank you for that too, Neil at redfm.ie. It is a time, of course, when you are bombarded by all of the things uh, that that emailer talks about in an effort to look the perfect version of you. But what's wrong with the existing version of you? I mean, we spoke in the past about these, particularly at this time of the year. In fact, I always look forward to this time of the year talking to the nutritionist, Ivano Shocknessy, and we spoke to her, perhaps it was even this time last year. I wonder what kind of a year she's had and who she's been dealing with. But Yvonne, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm Happy good. New year. And you too. Just with regards to all of that and everything that had been going on about there, you know, looking after mm-hmm. self and mindfulness and that even that email from people who become so self-conscious because they're bombarded everywhere they turn now with messages and advertising and quick fixes. Do you have thoughts on any of that? Yeah, I think it's really so much pressure on people, isn't it? And as that lady said, everywhere you turn, it's new year, new you. Um, But what I try to do with my clients is to get them to take one step at a time, not to overwhelm themselves with unattainable and unrealistic goals, because that just sets them up for a fail, you know, and those feelings of failure as well. So like even just taking one week at a time and doing small little things, like even just drinking two litres of water a day. 
you know, that's a small little task. Um, what I what I'm starting with my clients right now is to get them to work on their sleep because so many people have sleep issues, and then if you don't have a good night, you're not going to have a good day. So that impacts on your mood, but it also impacts on your appetite. And people forget about that that if they didn't have a good night's sleep, how much that impacts our appetite. Is that the, the key to day. everything, really? That you know. Okay, you've got your waking hours, but your sleep pattern is vitally important. Is that, is it eight hours? Is it seven? Is it nine? What is it? Sleep is so important. Between um, seven, between six to eight hours um, really is what we're recommended to sleep. And that should be a solid sleep. But for many people, they go to sleep, but then they wake up and they're awake for hours. And that's still considered insomnia. You know, for others, they just can't fall asleep Why are people failing to stay asleep? What's waking them? I think we just have way too much time sitting in front of devices and, you know, we're on our phone right before we go to sleep. And melatonin is our sleep hormone. So unless we're in darkness, we don't actually induce the release of melatonin. So if you go to bed and you bring your phone into the bed and you're scrolling on your phone, you're actually stimulating your brain. You're not allowing for melatonin to be released. So we need darkness. We need to avoid the phone and the devices before bed. That's currently one of the New Year's resolutions that I'm working on with my clients at the moment. I'm getting them to put their phone down two hours before they go to bed to allow the natural release of melatonin into their bodies to calm their bodies and to soothe them into a deep sleep. And then, of course, the benefit of taking some magnesium for people who can take it is really beneficial as well to help them to relax and stay asleep. That's the most important thing because some people wake up in the middle of the night, they're awake for hours, and then they go back to sleep maybe an hour before the alarm goes off. But then it's a vicious cycle when they get up in the morning. They're onto the coffee, they're onto the the sugar again, you know, that cycle of looking for the pep up and the sugar to just keep them going throughout the day. I did that see, really impacts their mood. I did see research to say the one in five people will make a resolution, right? But of the one mm-hmm. in five that do, only about 28% actually manage to stick to them even for the month yeah. of January. Do, do we set the standards too high? I'm going to stop Absolutely. drinking. I'm going to cut out junk. I'm going to yeah. join the gym. Mm-hmm. I'm going to walk. I'm going to get eight. Is it too much? Absolutely. I have clients coming to me this week and their their New Year's resolution goals are so unattainable. It's on totally Do you strip them back then? Strip them back completely. Absolutely. Like we do one week at a time. Like as I said already, the first week we might just aim to drink two litres of water a week, a day, sorry. And that's like we're not thinking about food. We're not thinking about exercise. We're just drinking the two litres of water a day. Then the following week, we're really going to focus on sleep and what time you go to bed and your whole sleep routine and everything like that. And then the third week, we might reduce sugar, but we might only reduce it from Monday to Friday. When you say reduce sugar, this is not spoons of sugar in coffee or tea. This is in all of the diet, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like all processed foods, buns, biscuits, cakes, scones, confectionery, everything. So like from Monday to Friday, we're going to try and avoid that. And then on Saturday and Sunday, have a treat. 
Um, but the treat is going to be, you know, a moderate sized treat. It's not like you can have a packet of biscuits on that day, yeah. but still you're allowing yourself to have a treat on the Saturday and the Sunday. So it's learning an appreciation for the treat and actually being mindful about eating it instead of just saying, you know, some people eat sugar every day. They don't even want it. They don't even look for it. They just eat it out of habit, you know. So it's to just be mindful about their eating as well and ask themselves, do I really want this or am I just eating it because it's sitting in front of me? At um, the I'm curious about that point, actually, about people doing things and thinking that it's the right thing and maybe not even understanding it. And that may be what seems to be the misuse of protein now. An awful lot of people are using protein supplements. More have moved to almond milk and oat milk and, and you know, things like that. Is that kind of gone a bit crazy, gone a bit reckless? I mean, are there benefits in all of that? There are certainly benefits in having protein in our diet, but I prefer people to do more of a balanced diet. We need protein, we need carbs, we need fats, and we need to keep that really well balanced. Sometimes I see people who, you know, overdo the protein and it can put an awful lot of pressure on the kidneys because if it's not used, it can convert to uric acid and that can cause a lot of irritation. So what the do they think that the benefit of protein shakes and protein powders are? Well, you see, people think that if they have more protein, they're going to burn more fat and they're going to have less carbohydrates, so they'll have less sugar in your body. But actually, the more protein that you eat, if you have like an excess amount of protein in your diet, that actually causes you to crave sugar as well. So we need the carbohydrates in there. They're really, really important. Our brain loves carbohydrates and they're full of fiber as well, which is really important for our digestive system. So I would say to people, to look at the protein content and just be really aware of how much protein you're taking because sometimes when it's overdone it's just not a benefit to the body because the kidney has to get rid of that extra protein Mm. and our kidneys are our batteries in our body so we really need those to function at a high level and when they don't that starts to wear down the adrenal gland and that can make us depleted in energy in our mood in motivation Um, so it's really important to have a really good balance and I'd advise people to not try and DIY protein in their diet because you know, you really need to sit down with somebody and go through your breakfast, your lunch, your dinner, your snacks, because some people will just have eggs for breakfast and that's it. And then at lunch, they will just eat chicken breasts and, you know, a few um, little bits of salad. And what's wrong with that? Is that bad? Well, we're not, we're not getting fats. We're not getting carbohydrates and we're not getting our fiber in there. So, you know, the, the body is missing out on loads of nutrients. Protein is the building block of the body, but we also need B vitamins. We need vitamin A, D, E, K. Where are they? Either. What foods are they in then? Those carbohydrate foods you refer to? So I encourage people to do the carbohydrates in the whole grain form, like as in your brown pasta, your brown rice, your sweet potato, swap swap your sweet potato or your regular white potato for a sweet potato. It's full of beta carotene, which is really important as well because it, it builds our immunity and it gives us vitamin C. So try to think of the rainbow when you think about your plate instead of focusing on the the um the protein all of the time try to have a variety of color on your plate and make sure that it's well balanced and is a lot of that then to do with feeling better or looking better because the preoccupation of the new year is with weight loss whereas this emailer is suggesting we should celebrate the bodies that we have instead of feeling shamed and guilty about them 
Absolutely. We need to start looking at our bodies in a completely different way. I think the whole social media aspect of our lives that has invaded so many people's lives um, is that we need to have a perfect body. But I think if we really get that feeling of feeling good from the inside, that we'll start to appreciate our bodies But how more. are you going to and do to that, stop, though, unless you stop mm, watching the videos from yeah, the influencers? I know, stop punishing yourself, stop punishing yourself and set sabotage that people do as well um, and to really step back from the fake world that is you know social media a lot of the time and focus on yourself and see where your happiness comes from it doesn't you don't have to be a certain size on a scale or a certain size in clothes to be happy you know you just have to you know, get come from the inside, and that's why I encourage people to do some meditation, write down some little goals that they have for themselves, even in terms of like personal goals, nothing to do with their body. Is that a diary you're shape. talking about? A diary? Yeah, I like people to do a journal on their their um, resolution goals, and. I think it's really helpful because sometimes they have struggles and they have successes as well. But when they have the struggles that they learn, why am I struggling through this this period? Why what is getting me here now? You know, an awful lot of the time food is an emotional comfort as well and why right now am I looking for that emotional comfort why can't I get it from something else now that's a whole different area it's very deep and it needs a lot of work with some people but it's really important that they recognize that Mm. area because sometimes they don't and they just eat to numb the feeling Mm. or to find a feeling so it's really important that we I think for people that they journal through that and they can start to see patterns emerging that otherwise they would have just you know eaten their way through but how do you deal with that how do you deal with the uh, the impact in real time of a craving what what is your nutritional recommendation when somebody says I want a packet of crisps now I want a bar of chocolate I want a bag of chips What, what is the way to react to that Well, cravings usually pass after about 10 minutes. So you have to be patient as well. You can't give in to every craving because we do have to have boundaries as well and we do have to set ourselves goals. Those goals just have to be realistic goals. But every craving you get, you can't. I know we're saying be kind to ourselves and everything like that. We do have to be kind to ourselves, but we do have to have a boundary as well. So we do have to, you know check in with ourselves and say, okay, look, I can't have, every time I have a craving, I can't give into it. So what I say to my clients is to wait 10 minutes, go and have a glass of water, occupy yourself with something or distract yourself with something and really ask yourself in 10 minutes, do I really want that, whatever it is? Yeah. Packet of crisps, bar of chocolate, whatever. And an awful lot of people will come back and say, I actually didn't want it. I was well able to overcome it. But unless I was in the frame of mind to set myself that goal, I would have eaten that bar. Are, I you, eaten are you a fan of calorie counting? No, I never, I never encourage my clients to calorie count because I think it just, I've seen the damage that calorie counting has done to so many of my clients and they're obsessed with like weighing food and counting calories and they now look at food like they would look at an apple and say, oh, you know, there's 70 calories in yeah, an apple. Yeah, bad idea. There's Absolutely. There's 25 calories in a kiwi. Okay, I'll eat the kiwi. There's less calories in that. But really, they wanted to eat the apple. So I just think that we have to, if you eat right, you never have to count a calorie again. You know, if you eat like your um, balanced breakfast, lunch and dinner, you don't have to be worrying about calories. 
And the calories are unhealthy because we start to allow empty calories in then, you know, to for treats or other like um, sins and stuff like that, other words that people use yeah. as a treat. Um, and I just think that we need to go back and just really look at the value of our diet throughout the day and say to ourselves, right, I'm, I pick a day that you're going to have a treat, but we we can't eat treats every single day. You know, we have to have a boundary and we have to have rules with ourselves as What well. about all of the books then you see in the in the bookshops, then all of the self-help books and mindfulness and awareness and being kind to yourself and, you know, manifestation, manifest things mm-hmm. and the universe will get off you. Is there is there power of the mind in that? Absolutely. I think those are fantastic things for people to be doing, but we have to get up and do them. You know, an awful lot You're not going to get it in a book, for instance. Exactly. You know, you obviously there they are little steps that you can follow to help you manifest whatever it is that you're trying to attain. But you actually have to put the work in. I see so many clients that say that manifesting never worked for me. I did all the visualization and I did everything. Yeah. But they didn't do the work that you have to follow through on. So it takes work. They you know, it doesn't things don't just magically appear in front of you. They take work. But they're really powerful because they make us change our way of thinking an awful lot of people talk really poorly to themselves and these self-help books are really beneficial because they get them to look at themselves in a different light and not talk to themselves in such a negative way. I know and I think sometimes just people are way too giving of their time to others and I don't mean that in a selfish way you know Uh, people Mm -hmm. find it difficult to say no or or set boundaries in their life and and, and, Mm -hmm. okay we look at the physical aspect of people's lives there for a while but mentally and psychologically that impacts hugely on your time Time, you know, not being able to say no, not be able to manage your own time. Yeah, I, I see that a lot with moms, you know, that they give so much time to their children. They, you know, they wouldn't even go for a walk in the evening time. They won't go to a class, an exercise class. And I'm trying to you know, ask them, what's your reasoning behind not going? Why wouldn't you go? You're going to better yourself. You're looking after your health. You're going to come back in better form when you give something back to yourself. But you have to do it for yourself because your child is not going to tell you who's three years old. Mommy, you need to go to exercise class. You need to go to yoga. You need to do your meditation. You have to take the responsibility on and do it for yourself. And when you do it, you actually come back in much better form. So, you know, it's a very... Irish thing I think as well Irish the whole Irish mammy thing of you know having the guilt of not being you know working 24-7 for the kids and doing everything for the kids that it's nearly oh I can't do that I, yeah, I should yeah, be here I should yeah. be doing it's not being it's, selfish as such it's not no really. not at no, all no yeah. yeah and January now for you is going to be a very busy month because I've been following mm-hmm. a lot of what you're doing on, on Instagram and I know you're you're doing a lot there for the month of January I'd be encouraging people to check you out on Instagram this month right yeah, thank you. Um, we're going to, it's, it is a very busy month, but it's, um, for me, it's more about getting people to realise that 
the go- the changes that they make have to be ones that they're able to maintain long term. You know, it's not something that, you know, where you're going to get up at six o'clock in the morning and go to the gym and that you're going to cook every single meal from scratch. You're never going to eat your favorite food again. You're never going to eat sugar again. It's not again. attainable. You know, it's it not like that no. because like literally I would start off with my clients and say, okay, I want you to walk twice this week. Now, this is for people that, you know, are, they don't like to exercise or they haven't been exercising in the last while. If they go out twice in that week and they achieve that uh, um, two 15-minute walks, they feel super about themselves. It's They're a so great start. It's a great start. Yeah, and they feel like, God, you know, I'll, I'll actually, I did more. Because when you go out for a 15-minute walk, you never come back after 15 minutes. You stay going. But it's just to tell yourself, it's only 15 minutes to get yourself out there. And they say, God, you know, I did 40 minutes, Yvonne. I feel really good. I can't wait to do it again. And because it's only twice a week, it's not too much pressure. And they feel really good about themselves. And they think, I think I could do a little bit more. Whereas if, if I said to them, you need to go out and do 40 minutes, minutes five times a week you know they're not good yes not going to i understand that. that and it's one good yeah. tip and there are lots more on instagram and also online yvonne thanks so much for taking the ch- time to chat again at the start no of yet problem. another new year, year look after yourself and thank you so Take much care. thank you you can Bye-bye. follow the nutritionist yvonne o'shaughnessy uh, online uh, www.thehealthnutritioncoach.com or also on instagram she's got a great instagram page at the health and nutrition coast coach on instagram i saw laura manny from the breakfast show actually post on instagram uh, last night it's very open and honest actually joins me by phone happy new year to you laura happy new year new year you're, baby baby you're, you're you're saying online you're very open and honest about it what if your favorite person in the whole wide world was yourself what if you chose to love yourself like you would your cherished best friend what point are you making my point is, I find January very hard, Neil, in terms of all this new year, new me, resolutions. I'm going to do this. I'm going to hit the gym hard. And I think sometimes in that conversation, what gets lost is a lot of this is about like, oh, I made an awful mess of myself over Christmas. Now I have to fix myself. Oh, I'm a disgrace. I'm so bold. What about just being on your own side for once and saying, like, we are not, as people, we're not a project that we have to work to perfect and be the finished article and the best version of ourselves. We are constantly growing and evolving and I think the emphasis sometimes with mindfulness it's also inward looking and I'm so careful and I'm checking that I'm doing everything right. What about a bit of carefreeness and a bit of living and a bit of excitement and I don't buy into the concept of treats as a concept either Neil. There's no treats, they're just food. If you make them a treat then you're demonising them then they're oh I'm so bold I had a treat. You can have a bar of chocolate any day of the week it doesn't have to be Saturday do you know what I mean free ourselves up a bit is yeah, no, ab- absolutely you should but, uh, but, uh, but that wouldn't advocate that you should have that every single day and that's the basis of which makes it a treat I suppose I know, but Neil, if you had it every single day, it's all about the greater balance of your life. You know, are you a good person? Where With me, Neil, it's like, I don't care what size your arse is once your heart is good. Do you know what would I mean? You like to, would you like to break down that industry and see it crumble before your eyes? The, the diet like industry, the wellness gurus, the influencers. I would. I would, Neil, because I think a lot of it is damaging and I think 
them do you have to look at it it's like it's a business how come in January they come around like even the concept of there being something like sins all this kind of I know it's spelled differently but all this kind of negative talk and stuff like I since I was seven years old Neil I've been bombarded with weight loss things I've watched the swan I've watched X-Factor bridal plasty on X Factor people who were at size 16 were being told that there's no place for them in the pop world that they really need to get themselves together they've made an awful mess of themselves that has been in my little soul since I was seven Neil and I now have a seven year old little girl and I don't want her to know about scales I don't want her to be crying over her weight and her debts I don't want her to be inside an Irish college going I'm the fattest one in this room I want her to be free to enjoy her belly she's going to have a jiggly belly she's just like her mom. I want her to take up her space in the world and not be beaten down by this notion that you're somehow lesser because you take up more space. You're not take up your space. There's genes at play. There's diet at play. There's environmental factors at play. It's not as simple as close your gob and you lose 10 stone and well done girl, aren't you great? Because for those that don't or can't or won't, it's a very lonely place, isn't it? Seeing others and, and watching these photographs and videos in this online world which by and large is fake most of the time. Absolutely. I mean, Neil, I can I give myself my own good angles on Instagram. I hold that phone up high and I have a lovely chiseled chin. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we, we're all guilty of that and when it's bombarded in your face, you've got to think, like, if we don't break, if we don't start speaking out about how diet culture is so ingrained in all of us at, at this generation, then it's going to get passed on to my smallies now again. And like, of course, be healthy, but I think the emphasis should be on strength. It should be on power. It should be on self-confidence, self-belief, as opposed to this kind of narrative that emerges of like, I don't think you should be praised for losing weight. I don't think you should be beaten up for gaining weight. I think weight shouldn't, weight is the least interesting thing about me, Neil. I don't care what's on your dinner. I don't want to see it on Instagram. I don't care that you were bold. I don't care. I know, but others then, unfortunately, and it happens so much in younger generations, they judge people by their body shape. And that's why we've got to talk out, Neil, because that's, that's diet culture at play. That's because somewhere in the back of your head, you see the front of those glossy magazines with like somebody's after putting on, piling on the pounds, some poor creature that's about half my size. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it's ingrained in us. It is everywhere. It's in like, it, you know, there's, there's fat jokes. There's in, in everything, yeah. in pantos, in shows. It's all over the place. We actually have to start spotting it and we have to start calling it out and saying, do you know what? Now let everyone take up their space. Have you arrived at a point in your life where you were happy now in your space, or have you been happy in your space for a long time? I think I'm, I've arrived at it. Obviously, there's days where you where you wake up and you're like, oh, maybe now today I wish them pants fit. But like the thing is, like our bodies are amazing. I've had two babies, right? And they came out of my body. How dare I have anything negative to say about this body that house children? Even if your body didn't house children, your body is amazing. It is getting you from A to B every day. It doesn't define you. There is so much more to you than your shape in the world. I haven't been on a scale for a year, Neil. I haven't a clue what weight I am. And I don't care because I'm happy because any time I stood on the scales, all that came with me was the weight of sadness. Correct. You know yeah, I mean? Correct. Criticism, self-loathing, hatred, failure. Because you see, 
like the likes of my my nanny will say she was my gran, right? She would poke me when I was seven. She was totally ingrained in diet culture and be like, oh, you're after getting very plump, right? I wasn't plump. I was a little doughty seven-year-old. My mum and dad were amazing about it. But like that stuck in my head that a member of my family poked their finger into my side yeah. and told me I was fat oh at seven, Neil. Oh Could God. you imagine if so? My Polly, now I'd riot. I'd be taken off the air because <laughs> she'd have been after killing someone. Do you know what I mean? It's awesome chatting with you, girl. I hope that people react to our conversation. Have a great day. Happy New Year to you. Happy Can't wait New to Year see to you next week day. when you're back on the air. All right. All right, I'll bring the spuds and the sugar. Look See after you yourself and a big pound of butter. Take care, Laura. <laughs> she you, is just absolutely awesome and so honest and open. Your thoughts are welcome on this. Seriously, let's have the conversation. Pick up the phone 0818 We'll get stuck into it tomorrow. Text 0868 with regards to everything that people do to you know, try and kickstart the new year. But by doing that, of course, you end up, of course, um, you know, tripping up and then hating yourself. Is there not a better way? Email neil at redfm.ie. Our lines will stay open. Don't forget as well, tomorrow uh, being, what day is tomorrow? I get confused with the days. Thursday. So tomorrow, Thursday, and indeed, perhaps even on Friday morning, we got Women's Little Christmas to give away at the Metropole Hotel. This is a table for you and three of your mates, four of you in total. A great night out for Women's Little Christmas, Friday night at the Metropole. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.